0: jessica and this is atc presents deba k rambles where a couple friends review korean dramas and today on a very emotional kind of crazy episode um i'm predicting it will be crazy i have repeat guest mina from the k-pop bookshelf podcast mina girl how are you good how are you jess you survived i survived i i guess we should tell everybody that there was a hurricane this week in florida Hurricane Ian, and thankfully my family and I are doing great. Um, But Mina was basically in the know because we had this podcast episode scheduled right smack in the middle of the hurricane and we had to postpone. It was crazy. Mina, thank you so much for working with me on How this. How dare you schedule this hurricane? No, no, I this. scheduled the hurricane, <laughs> and then I realized later that I had the podcast. <laughs> and so, anyway, long story short, we're here finally. Everyone's good. Nina, thank you so much again. You've been really gracious in making yourself available to do this podcast at all different kind of times, and we're here. We're finally, we're ready to talk about Mr. Sunshine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so housekeeping. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That goes such a long way for us. And come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Pod. And if you're a fan, this is the last thing you can do. You can become a patron for as little as $2 a month. You can support the show and get exclusive content just for you. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And thank you to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Robin, and Bill. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read... All of the my drama list synopsis and like who's behind the camera, all right, Mina? This is going to be a long one because this is okay. kind of a big cast. Yeah. <laughs> but feel sure. free to jump in with whatever you've seen the cast in before or, you know, the directors have done some big things too, so we'll talk about it. All right, my dramalist synopsis. Mr. Sunshine centers on a young boy born into a house servant's family who travels to the United States during the 1871 Shin yang aka the U.S. expedition to Korea. He returns to his homeland later as a U.S. Marine officer. He meets and falls in love with an aristocrat's daughter. At the same time, he discovers a plot by foreign forces to colonize Korea. For some reason, this gives away nothing at all. <laughs> like it tells like the broad <laughs> stretch, it, it, Yeah, but damn, like yeah. doesn't doesn't give anything away. <laughs> Mr. Sunshine no. or no, originally aired from July to September 2018, it is a whopping 24 episodes long and some episodes are longer than an hour. It has been directed by two people. Lee young bok he's directed Jiri-san most recently and Sweet Home Tokebi, Guardian, The Great and Lonely God, which we covered on the podcast. He's directed De- Descendants of the Sun, which we also covered on the podcast. So uh lots more like Dream High. <laughs> Dream High mm-hmm. is like a running gag now in the show. Definitely in the same vein as uh, all these <laughs> other shows. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like jiri San's Sweet Home, Guardian, Great and Lonely God, Descendants of the and Then Dream High, like way down from like 2011. Yeah. Like that doesn't fit, but okay. yum Book. And then it's also directed, co-directed by Jung Ji-hyun, and he's directed 2521, also starring Kim Teddy. He's directed You Are My Spring, The King Eternal Monarch, and Search WWW. So that makes two of his dramas that we've reviewed for the podcast, 2521 and Search WWW. Mr. Sunshine was written by the uh, effervescent Kim Eun-suk. She is a major name in the screenwriter circles for K-dramas because she's written The King, Eternal, Monarch, Guardian, The Great and Lonely God, <laughs> Descendants of the Sun, The Heirs, Gentleman's Dignity, Secret Garden, and of course, now Mr. Sunshine, which we're talking about today. Tons of all-time K-dramas have been penned by Kim Eun-suk. So we're getting to our cast. Let's see if you've um, seen any of these cast members before and let me know, okay? So Yi Byung-un stars as Captain Eugene Choi, and he's done about 36 movies. He's mostly a movies guy, and he's been in movies like The Fortress from 2017, Terminator Genesis from 2015. He was the T-1000 in that. (laughs) Um, For real? For real. I kid you not. I kid you not. Uh, he was in Memories of the Sword from 2015, which I vividly remember watching that movie and thinking, this is such an excellent movie. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. And I go online to see if people are talking about Memories of the Sword and everyone's saying it's such a shit movie. And I was like, <laughs> I literally, I t- it was a blow because I thought oh. it was like really good. And like the acting from Kim Go'un, because Kim Goon, of course, is in it. Yeah. Is just fantastic. And then Ijano e. is also in it from the red sleeve, like yeah. people just fawning yeah. over Ijano e. now, now. in 2015. I was watching Memories of Sword. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. Anyway, so he's in that. He's also in Masquerade from 2012. And that's the inspiration for the show, The Crown Clown, which we'll be covering next on the podcast. If this is going to be released in oh. order, that's the next show that we cover on the podcast. And of course. Lee Byung Hun won Best Actor at the Daegu Film Awards for his role in Masquerade, and lots of other movies like I Saw the Devil, a couple of GI Joe movies, Hero from 07, Joint Security Area from 2000, big movies. Iris Joint Security Area was a huge, yeah, huge, huge
1: movie. Huge.
0: In huge. Yeah. Uh, he's got about 26 credits for TV, including, of course, most recently Our Blues. He did Squid Game as he was a front man in Squid Game which we also covered on the podcast. If you want to scroll back in your fo- podcast feed, you can hear all about Squid Game. I first saw Yubyungun in Iris. Do you remember Iris? Vaguely, or like I heard about it. I don't think I ever watched it. Okay, this... I'm busy reading. Just. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> for those who don't know or didn't listen to our Nabilera <laughs> episode where Mina first was introduced to Daebak audience, um, she runs a book, bookshelf podcast like it's all about k-pop books and k-media through books so she's reading all the time even though you are like i assume you're sometimes watching k-drama but anyway sometimes. um iris is was so huge they did a movie afterward you know like that mm-hmm. era in k-drama where they would like do a k-drama or even a j-drama yeah. and then all of a sudden they do a movie on it yeah. that is what happened with iris it was amazing
1: okay okay
0: yeah Anyway, so he won Best I do want to watch Joint Security
1: Area. So that's like on my list.
0: Perfect. Joint Security Area. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. is on mine too. I don't think I've seen it. Or if I have, I don't remember. So his co-star, Akim Teddy, plays Goeshin, And she's been in only six movies. But I Wait, have-
1: Wait, pause for a second. Because I- her character is Go I wanted you to call this episode- I hope that's not a spoiler. Just cut it if it is. Three men and a little egishi.
0: Egishi. <laughs> No, that's actually three valid. Three men and a little eggy. she That's valid. <laughs> like that's three nine valid. Nine a baby. No, no, no. We'll talk – actually, nine we nine will egg-y-she. talk about the name Mr. Sunshine <laughs> at some point in this episode okay. for sure. That's a valid point. I, no, I'm, we're leaving it in. Okay, so she's been in okay. six movies, including Alienoid, which I did a Patreon review for. Space Creepers, little, little Forest, The Handmaiden, which is a Park movie she won yeah. best new actress at the blue dragon film awards in 2016 big deal of course everyone knows her from 25 21 from 2022 and she won best actress and most popular actress at the bexon arts awards so proud that she actually did that because it's it's a big deal and she deserved it we're gonna go really fast did you watch the handmaiden no so look i've said this a couple of times on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm scared of watching the handmaiden why? So this is a genre. It's Can I just say she's so naked? Yes. Sorry, I had to get that out of no. my system. She's super naked. It's a psychosexual lesbian thriller, and it's a period. Right, piece. right, right, right. And that yeah. that combination, that like sub sub genre, complete like like I avoid it because it scares me sh- shitless. Like
1: I like cannot deal with it. She's so good at it, and I don't like. Not saying you should watch it, but it. It's just generally if you if you're not scared of it, yeah, you should watch it because she's excellent. Yeah. People she's don't amazing. Don't she's remember beautiful. That she's, she's in that
0: completely naked. And she's naked. Sorry. It's a psychosexual lesbian thriller. Yeah yeah it's serious
1: and ch- you know Park Hoc- Hoc. directed old boy <laughs> yes so like seven if you know if you watch minutes. old
0: boy you can watch this and you can like i you know, know. You, i know like, you'll, you
1: see what i'm saying i so.
0: see what you're saying and it is spooky season <laughs> or this episode will air around spooky season october and i hope one day that i will cr- bring myself to watch the handmaiden because it's not like i don't want to watch it, I'm just afraid to watch it. Like, it, I think it's one of those where I'll just sit there afterward <laughs> and just feel changed, feel this, different. His
1: emphasis being psycho-thriller, like, it's not like jump scares. No, It's like no, psychologically no, no. That's what I said, you know, psycho- manipulation sexual. and all that yes, stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling
0: you. I got a handle on it and I'm scared. Scared to go <laughs> in that room. Okay, so <laughs> we're bringing up the rear. yuyun Suk plays Kudon-mae and he has been in a few movies like Royal Taylor, Beauty Inside, uh, Hawaii, a monster boy, werewolf boy. He's a villain in a werewolf boy, one of my favorite K-movies of all time. Architecture 101, which was a big thing when it came out to. And then, of course, he was most recently in Narco Saints from Netflix. This is going into his TV work. And I think everyone knows him from either Reply 1994 or Hospital Playlist 1 and 2, <laughs> which we've covered Hospital Playlist 1 on the podcast if you want to scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to that. Lastly, we have Kim Min-jung as Hina Kudo. You might have seen her most recently in The Devil Judge from 2021. And we have Byun yo as Kim wee And he, you might have seen him before in me saying Incomplete Life from 2014. Did you watch me saying? No, I didn't. No. I
1: I did and I thought he was he's kind of similar to the character place here but oh. really love him. okay I really love him even though he's like obnoxious, you know, oh, in his characters. Okay. But I liked it. Yeah, I liked
0: it. All right. We're on the other side of this. Maybe that's just my
1: type. Never mind. Oh
0: anyway. my <laughs> god, Mina. <laughs> oh man, this post hurricane man. I, I'm in a mood. All right. Mina, what did you think of Mr. Yeah. Sunshine?
1: I thought, honestly, so it was definitely quite long at times, dragging at times, and I'm trying not to give too many spoilers, but, you know, it is about, like, pre-colonial Korea, pre-Japanese colonization of Korea, but Japan's, like, kind of already there, and I found it very strange how there is, like, of course, you know, if you saw Guardian, if you saw the other works that the writers have done, the directors have done, you'd know that there's going to be a romance, so they're like, revolution, and then they're like, romance, and then they're like, (laughs) revolution, and they're like, romance, and I'm like, what is happening? And I felt like it wasn't very seamless or like it didn't make sense because it would be like revolutionary like guerrilla warfare for like a while and then it'd be like we're in love it's just like but aside from that it's visually stunning there's these people are acting their pants off and there's so many layers and topics that we were discussing before we started recording about like different um topics about korean society at the time and korean history so it's worth watching but there was definitely some kind of flaws i think what did you think
0: Hmm. Okay, so I will first tell you why I avoided Mr. Sunshine for years, <laughs> because this came out in 2018. And I remember it popping up. I vividly remember it popping up on Netflix and going, oh, wow, it's like a period piece. And it's like, it looks turn of the century. But then they have this girl still in Humbug, And like, what's the deal? Like, I don't really get the time period and then i saw the way that the promo shots were framing them Ebyungen and Kim Teddy and i was like oh is this supposed to be like a romance and then i what i saw was age gap <laughs> i saw <laughs> yeah. pure age gap and i was like that looks like a giant age gap and i have said this before yeah. i'm not a big fan of like chasm age gaps in my entertainment and in my K dramas, so I avoided it. I was like, I wasn't like getting the the vibe of it. And then I wasn't a fan of the age gap, so I avoided it like the plague. To be fair to myself from 2018, uh young Youngun was 48 years old when he started <gasps> no, the show. Yes. Stop. For real. He was born in 1970. 100 percent 48 years old. Oh. Kim Teddy was 28 years old. That is a twenty-year okay. age gap. So I was reading the tea leaves right on that one. But That's you know, a I was like,
1: this, maybe my the bar is low for me. But I was like, at least she's not like twenty or like nineteen or <laughs> you know how they sometimes do that in K dramas. God, I was like, oh goblin. good, like yeah, it's the, the big age gap. But well, wait, this yeah, writer
0: and this one of the directors, of course, had a classic age gap romance with the Goblin. That was classic, like, you know, 400 years. 400 nobody- years <laughs> in the context of the show. And then I think it was another, like, <laughs> uh, not 20. I think it was either 20 or a little less than 20 years between Kim Go-eun and Gong Yoo. Anyway, yeah. that's a whole another thing. But anyway, they love it, evidently, because it's here. Uh, Goblin was 2016. Mr. Sunshine is 2018. So two years later, they're Part back Part of me
1: thinks it. this is like a side note about the writer, but I feel like maybe they're kind of ascribing to like, some purity concept of like these virginal, oh. youthful, untouched, oh. like sheltered, you know, ladies, and then these like kind of manly men, mm. right? Because you're really manly by the time you're like 48 for sure, or 450, <laughs> or however old <long> was. <laughs> um,
0: you are bringing up some valid points, Yermina, already. So just to get my thoughts out of the way, I found that this show was really difficult to get into for me. I was not hooked right away. I didn't find this was binge-worthy at all. I sometimes thought that the length of the episodes was really a hindrance for me, which I've said so many times on the podcast. I am a strict hour-long person. Yeah. So when I started the show, I was very hesitant to like it. And again, I kind of grasped the time period very quickly. Episode one was very assaulting on the senses And very difficult to understand like who is who because they introduced like 50 people in one episode. So many people. So many people. And the conflict at large, like the political conflict and the Mm -hmm. issues that are going on in Korea at the time. But I felt that that was a lot to take in as like an – and I have seen like side I've seen a ton of gay dramas and I'm still like – who the hell am I looking at here? Like, how are these people related? I was getting very confused. So I had to write down everything and now I delete it because I know <laughs> what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But uh from me from the first episode and me to the last episode, night and day difference. I thought this show was a masterpiece. I thought this show was well worth at least one watch from K-drama watchers. I didn't really mm-hmm. consider it a K-drama at the end of the day. I felt like this was prestige television that I was watching. This could have easily been shown yeah. on, like, Apple TV, like Pachinko was here in the States. Or it could have been shown on, like, HBO or something like was like a special, uh, you know, a show. It was absolutely riveting towards the end. The Endgame episodes, which lasted not one or two episodes. It was something like six episodes that felt like the yeah. third act of the show was Endgame. And those were amazing. Best part of the show. I agree with that. So a lot of stuff happening. A lot of payoff. A lot of payoff. Exactly. That was the word that I had in my head too. A lot of it was payoff. And I really appreciate that in the writing. I thought the writing knew that they were planting Easter eggs, knew that they were planting uh, Chekhov's guns left and right, lines and scenes and cinematography and iconography that was repeated at the end of the show that felt like closure felt like oh my god this was what i was waiting for this was why i wanted to watch this show um i think a lot of the political stuff was still very dense and yeah I, you know we can try and get into it and parse some of it out especially some of the nuances of the culture back then which you did some research on i'm really mm-hmm. excited to get into it but honestly it is a shakespearean Tragedy. So a lot of people, I think, in the K-drama K-drama community will not watch a K drama if it has a sad ending. I'm sorry to say, right out the gate, Mr. Sunshine has only violence, only bloodshed, only sad things for you. And in fact, they warn you early on in the show there is no hope that these characters are going to make it to the end unscathed, happy, alive, all of these things. They're constantly like I mean, defining. If you know a Korean sad history. Ending.
1: And that's it was the already other a spoiler thing.
0: from the jump. That is the <laughs> other thing is that history is not on their side. And if you know anything remotely about what happens to Korea and the amount of times that they were invaded and, you know, what happens in Pachinko, and Pachinko is a great kind of uh, teaser for what it leads up to the events in Pachinko, I guess I should say, and how it informs identity going forward and further generations down the line. Um, and just tensions between Korea and Japan, Korea and China, Korea and the US, all these things. Really, uh, I don't want to say it was well done, but I guess it was at least interesting to watch, especially in the latter episodes. Um, yeah, I I oh, have a thought ahead.
1: but maybe I'll save it for after spoilers.
0: Oh yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> after spoilers. Like you said, cinematography 110%, amazing. So much budget went into this. So many unbelievable The details,
1: the costumes, the giant. styling, the makeup, the yes. scenery.
0: Giant set the pieces, structure,
1: architectural structures, yeah. The so trolley. many
0: <laughs> The trolley, so many extras. Uh, just in a scene. When I say extras, I mean like literal people in a scene. It's explosives, fire, pyro, yeah. um, stunts, gunfire, warships, slow motion action, mm-hmm. which requires another like set of cinematography skills, flags waving around, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff burning to the ground. Underwater um, filming. Yes, underwater filming. So much money went into this and you feel it. It's just dripping with Hollywood type budget. Yeah. That's why I agree with you when you say it's like prestige watching.
1: Yes. But I just like, like you in the beginning, I was like struggling to get into it mm-hmm. and to like feel invested in them for like a while. And I don't think for me it was age gap. It was just like, because they're so doomed from the jump. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I was like, I can't. There was a
0: sense <laughs> of just doom over the whole show, yeah. over every character. You just, I, I mean, I don't know how someone can go through this and be like, I'm waiting for that episode 15, like, they wrap everything else, and then 16, we get a wedding, we get this, look we'll at X, Y, Z. No. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: Listen, no, they no. had a beach scene. What else do you want from them? Uh, yes. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> they went to the beach, damn it. We had a piggyback <laughs> So many <ride>. times. Yeah. <laughs> which wasn't easy in, like, the 1800s. <laughs> they literally, how are you getting to the beach from Seoul? How they was were happening? on a horseback for days, I think they said. It's like, we're not going to talk <laughs> about that. We're not going to talk about how you spent days riding to the beach. And multiple couples went to the beach and one couple did not have a horse. No, so one couple, it just, okay, we'll talk about it. That's, just piggyback all the way. No, yeah, they're just going <laughs> to hoof it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, great sense of iconography and the age gap was a, was a uh, kind of a deal breaker. But I will say that towards the end, I was invested in them for sure. We're talking about Yi byung yeah. and Kim Teddy's characters. They obviously have, I don't want to say a star-crossed lovers relationship, but I guess it was a star-crossed lovers relationship. Uh, yeah, it was just like everything was under duress. In the gut. <laughs> In the gut. <laughs> and it just <laughs> Straight to is the a sucker punch throughout the whole show. <laughs> Did you buy them as a couple? Actually, I don't know. I kept thinking that. I was like, wait, why do they
1: like each other? Like Mm -hmm. I almost didn't get it. But then I – but then it did – like something about it did make sense along the way. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a slow burn for me at least where I didn't understand initially why either of them cared about the other one. But then I was like, okay. Like they like." I I do think they had some chemistry or something that seemed magnetic amongst them. And maybe it's just their stellar acting that they're just such good actors. But they did have definitely – I mean, she's so good in everything, right. <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah. So, I agree with you. I think there's something that wasn't written there on the page that they somehow made work on screen, and that that's is so well said. That's all I can account for. That's what their accurate. romance is, because there was bullseye. not bullseye. <laughs> there was not anything there. Like they had certain crazy, high intensity moments between them, but as mm-hmm. far as like. Why do you like each other? I don't know. Yeah. You know? Right. They just kind of gravitate towards each other, like two sides of a magnet. And that's all there is to it. That was very believable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think of their secondary leads? (laughs) And she has a couple. (laughs) I know, a couple. She's (laughs) Yeah. Well, because if you think about, like, uh, the character of
1: uh, Hina...
0: Yeah,
1: you and I feel like she also it was like something like obviously like she's like not romantic but like a, a a sidekick or something like she's I would count her with the like you know the samurai mm. the um like fiance can I say this? like we fiance song? the fiance
0: you could say yeah that. he
1: song whatever He's, okay he song and then Eugene. And then you have the three, of the three men, the little agishi um, I was <laughs> <that's> talking about. <laughs> and then you have Hina, who, and then you also have her very faithful enslaved people, <laughs> um, which is slightly romanticized, I feel like, but, yeah. um, but yeah, they're her servants and all of that was like her orbit of people like the gunner mm. and all that, but those were her orbit. And she had so many good folks around her and she was the pull and the draw of all these people in a way, maybe less of her, um, Hina but somewhat and um, and it was very like I said believable like it just seemed like you could sense why there's so much like loyalty towards her why there's so much interest in her why is everyone like rallying around her all the time at what because sometimes you watch a drama where something's like that's supposed to be happening and you're just like why do, Why can't you not like ditch that person or like why are you still hung up on that person but for Kinteri's acting or, or portrayal of it was so just overall you know, magnetic, yeah.
0: You were yeah. She was a great rally point for everybody. And you kind of un- innately understood why everyone was trying to save her and make her survive and like have her endure and all this stuff while everyone else was kind of like, it just is not the not the word expendable, I guess I should say. <clears throat> not disposable, expendable. Um, yeah, I see what you mean. Lord, so a lot of stuff happening it with the themes and uh, the topics that we want to cover and we can introduce some of them now I did want to touch really fast because you mentioned Hina that character there are really strong female characters in this show and I admire that about it I love how they're kicking ass and taking names I love how they're integral parts of the plot and how they are not passive at all they're not passive observers. Yeah, I'm kind of
1: sad the actress who played Hina didn't get any kind of award for this as far as I I'm know. I'm confused and For this role and she was, oh my God, she was amazing. Yeah, yeah. What happened?
0: What happened to Kim Min-jung? I don't know. I don't know why she's not a better name either. Because I was looking at the stuff that she had really, done and totally. I was like, where did Homegirl go? Not that much. Not that compared much. Compared to, right? Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. I'm confused about that, too. She was perfect in that role. She was perfect. Fabulous. The wardrobe they put on her, the turn of the century gowns. (gasps) Stunning. She was serving in those outfits
1: like oh my god amazing she looks so good and and it was interesting because she was wearing kimono Mm. because she was like a Japanese national she was wearing like maybe not hanbok exactly but or sometimes maybe she was she was wearing um, western clothes of the Mm -hmm. times like late 1800s early 1900s almost like 1910s like bustling behind you know behind her and stuff like that and like kind of waistcoats or what do they call those little coats and she just looked so good little fascinator hats and I don't know sometimes people who are not from a culture or a time frame, wearing those things look a little awkward. They look a little cosplay uh-huh. through no fault of their own. But she was wearing no, no, these no. clothes. Okay? The like, clothes were not wearing, wearing her.
0: Them. She was wearing the clothes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. And
1: it, it looks so good. Oh, and then gosh. her acting, of course, and then her athleticism and yeah. her little looks and little like little glances, just her little nose scrunch. It yeah. Was, give that an award. The nose
0: scrunch? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I don't have that in my notes. That was so amazing. Cute. She really brought something to the show that was necessarily missing. I think that you needed another rallying point besides Kim tae character. And she is so charismatic and kind of easy to root for in certain moments. She, A lot of the characters are not 100% good. A lot of the characters mm-hmm. have shades of gray, are not good, not bad. Just kind of going with the flow, changing allegiances throughout the show and not mm-hmm. necessarily an emphasis on uh someone who's str- straight evil for evil's sake like people have reasons for doing things even yeah. the traitors in the show have reasons for doing what they're right. doing so the backstories were so rich
1: mm. so rich mm-hmm for some for the major characters right and some of them we never some people might have backstories like i was like what's what's the translator's deal like eugene's little personal translator guy like <laughs> what's his story or yeah. like you know like some of the people i wanted more information on or like the woman who dro- like takes the ferry over to the other side uh, uh, to the other mountain oh, yeah. On, yeah. you know she's an archer like what was her deal or like there's so many more characters that they were so interesting i don't know what other word to use for interesting but it made compelling it was like what else is going on there because and the fact that you did know some people's backstories to a great d- amount of detail it was really like oh my god there's so much more like layers upon layers upon
0: layers yeah it's like an onion this shows like an onion truly and so i did want to sh- uh co- oh my god i'm getting tongue i i wanted to give attention to the female empowerment kind of side of it and I think we need to segue into just identity and Koreanness as another theme throughout the show because there are so many characters who are grappling with being Korean American or Korean Japanese or ja- Japanese Korean, like whatever the case is. They are not just one thing and they have so much trauma in their backstory that they feel like they need to abandon their home country, home culture, and adopt another way of life or risk just dying, (laughs) like, in Korea. Right. The self-preservation,
1: the survivalship that the reasons behind some of their stuff was so, again, compelling and also it was definitely struck a nerve, I think, of, like, I don't know, like, how do you survive all this stuff, especially for Hina, I think, because she was a woman on top of Mm. all of it, right? Like, she also has all these identity issues and... um. You know, yeah, trauma and everything going around, going on with her, I should say.
0: Yeah, we can definitely talk about their individual traumas (laughs) later in the spoiler section. But I feel like the patriotism in the show was kind of like, if it was a graph, it was like kind of low at the beginning. And kind of low is saying something because the, the show is all about patriotism in a way and then towards the yeah. later episodes it just skyrockets it's just an exponential growth towards the end and you feel i mean by the end i was like man fuck japan like not gonna lie <laughs> not gonna lie i was like man, okay but the japan dichotomy <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally okay. So, well, not totally okay. The dichotomy—I no, you know mean, like, please let me the- to Japan again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to visit Japan again. Please don't. Uh, okay, no. But what I wanted to say though about this was the dichotomy between this intense amount of patriotism, nationalism. The whole show overall was very nationalistic towards Korea, which obviously yes. makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, there's this sense of like these unjust Japanese powers, or sometimes American powers, or sometimes like whoever, Russia and Chinese and everybody was all up in Korea's grill, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um But what was interesting was like this dichotomy of this patriotism, nationalism, and the fact that some people don't have that, right? Like someone's country could, quote unquote, betray them. And you kind of belong you belong and you don't belong at the same time that was like i think a running theme for multiple characters yes. of course um, the main one being eugene but um multiple characters where it's like you belong you don't belong and, and then going back to the survivorship and trying to assimilate sort of was like the fact that so many um characters are tr- trilingual bilingual um you know again like with hina wearing all she, she can fit in into anything like a glove like as far as like identity i'm not even talking about the clothes at this point but right. when she's a, a you know she's speaking french she's speaking english she's speaking <laughs> japanese she's speaking Korean yes. like it like she just had it going on like in all different ways because she had to mm-hmm. and it was very interesting because even though it was so nationalistic and patriotic and all this stuff and really trying to stir up feelings for like you know Korea is a liberated country it also had these moments where it's like actually some people are not that like thrilled about Korea you know some people are like you know Korea sucks so yeah like, because of the stuff that they were going through and what what justice or injustices they experienced
0: right it's interesting to see Korea portrayed in such a positive light as far as like nationalistic pride is soaring throughout the show. But then you also see the absolute chaos behind the scenes of what like people are actively selling the country out and people who should be on the countryside are on the country's payroll are selling the country out. People who are trampled on and low born are low in society are the ones who are rising up and rebelling against korea so it's like mm-hmm. uh a reckoning japan. of their own making you know yeah they've sown that seed mean rebelling against korea or rebelling against japan or both? no no rebelling against korea cuz i totally mean to say okay. like some characters again like trauma have been just treated so poorly by mm-hmm. those in higher power in Korea that when they gain some semblance of power throughout the show, they come back with a vengeance. It's like karma for mm. Korea as a whole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, no, you're right. To have their you're right. own citizens try and break it apart. Mm-hmm. You know, which is very yeah. intense. There's
1: like some characters who's like, well, Korea's screwed anyway, so like what's the Might point of Might as well be it? me like that, that profits that attitude? off of it.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I think that, wow, we could talk a lot about identity, Koreanness, patriotism, and all that too. But I think we have touched on one of the last themes, which is classism and the slave economy and the discrimination and prejudice against lowborns throughout the show. And how that affects right. the characters and how they have to work through that throughout the show. Right. They have to live within
1: that like realm of the hierarchy. Yeah,
0: Um, A lot of characters come back to Korea with a lot of prestige or a lot of power, especially Eugene. And once they start talking about their history, where they came from, what their family is, they're looked down upon. Eugene is looked down upon because he comes from the slave class. And it is so deep-rooted, the classism over there or the case system, however you want to put it it is unbelievable to me how some characters have experienced so much goodness and benefited from these characters that come from low origins and i put that obviously in quotation mark low origins and then as soon as they find out someone is not who they thought they were they're like oh my god i have to rethink my entire like perception of you
1: I have to say, this aspect made me feel like this show was also very pro-American in a way yes. because Eugene was the one who had upward mobility out of everybody who actually achieved it. Um, you know, more than Hina really, or more than um Gu Dongmei. Mm-hmm. He's the one who like achieves it, and it's because he moves to America and becomes he rises up the U.S. military and becomes a Marine. Mm-hmm. And so he is like a top up there officer, uh, part of the American legation when he gets to Seoul or or Hansong, or
0: I think is what they yeah Hansong Song back was then. Name a soul before it was sold. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: So in Han Song, he's like, and it's so funny how he kind of like, kind of teeters between like, I know Korean, I speak Korean, <laughs> uh, but I'm not a Chosun Zaram. Like, I'm not yeah, a Korean, yeah, yeah. but he's like, I'm American. Like, he just keeps like going back and forth because it's, it's such a, it's not like really, uh, black and white, or like this side or that side for him. I mean, just go back to identity for a second, which I you know we were moving past, but <laughs> it, for it. him, it's <laughs> it was like a little bit past – But his, yeah, he himself can never forget his quote unquote lowborn status that he originally had. That's like part of his like motivation for a That's lot of part things of the chip on his drama. <laughs> exactly and then at the same time he commands all this power and he walks around looking all good and stuff in his suit and everyone's like oh my god who's that (laughs) and even like even just from looking at him when they're like that guy looks Korean but they can everyone can tell like that is not a Korean guy like he is he is a foreigner (laughs) he's not Korean he looks Korean that foreigner looks so Korean his mentality is
0: completely changed when he comes back to Korea because he doesn't he doesn't back down he's got like the American like spirit about him which is weird yeah To everybody in the show because they're like, you look and sound Korean, but you are not Korean because you would not have talked to me that way if you were Korean. And I would argue too. He does that
1: even with Japanese soldiers Mm -hmm. and stuff because they don't go into how much time he spent in Japan or like why he's so fluent in Japanese. I don't think they did Mm -hmm. unless they missed it. But he also has the same kind of like you know he's just American that's really to me American like you just have this like swag yeah bravado (laughs) when you're talking in Japanese or they're addressing Japanese people addressing Korean people he's just like kind of similarly like like what what, are you gonna
0: do to me exactly like I'm American (laughs) you cannot touch me that is the attitude that he has throughout the show and it really irks a lot of characters and they call him out on it they're like well you must be American, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of funny to Stereotypical watch. Typical entitled, yes, to watch the entitlement on screen from Lee Byung-un, who he's doing great, he's doing great, he's nailing like, it. That. <laughs> like as a, an American, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, that's it, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you know what i noticed is like
1: he was he would smile so broadly and so toothy as soon as he encountered other american soldiers he's like hey. hey like to everyone and i was like that's so american it was like mildly embarrassing i felt a little called out like is that how i run around the world like just bro. like
0: you know? bro do i just smile at everybody i don't know well i'm from miami it's different we might not smile at everybody kind of mean but it's okay
1: (laughs) yeah i really like you know like that whole like effervescence that stereotypical effervescence because you know i lived for many years in new york and they're not smiling at everybody either but just like that 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 aspect of it was so american there's so much bravado
0: coming from him at times and yeah yeah, i kind (laughs) of i feel attacked (laughs) I feel uh, a certain type of way seeing it on screen portrayed by mm-hmm. e. YB young but it's great. I, I do think that the Americanness ness of the show is something that was taking me aback as well. And how they perceived America, I don't think anyone here, uh, you know, us two, are under any <laughs> delusions. Like, America sucks, and it's also very great, <laughs> like, in equal measure. And our history is just as terrible as everybody else's country <laughs> And at one point, like, I can't remember which character says this, like, you're, you also believe in, in imperialism because of right. Puerto Rico, Guam, the Philippines, like, it names all of these territories. Well, that and just, even
1: Korea, we we still to this day have huge military bases in Korea. So, right. well, I mean, effectively, like, did we colonize it? Maybe not, but we are there. No, we're definitely there <laughs> we for the
0: there. war. Um, it's still ongoing. But anyway, because yep. they need it, yeah, evidently. Um, yeah. But... Oh, man. But then not every Korean person is thrilled about that, even no, to this day. Yeah, you no, know I, I, mean? I totally so. get that. I totally get that. We yeah. have a foothold in so many different places that I don't think Americans even realize. And yeah, it's it is like that imperialism that I think it was a Japanese colonel that was talking about it. He was like, "I am no different than you are. Like we're here to do the same thing essentially that you did in all these other places." Yeah, um, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like you know pot calling the kettle black you know no no one is good in this show everyone is all kinds of shades of gray anyway yeah i feel like we ventured a little bit into spoiler territory so i think we can break for spoilers what would you give this show out of five soldier bottles
1: Okay, it's hard because it was so beautiful and stunning. But then sometimes I like wasn't feeling it, and then sometimes I wasn't feeling like I was so engrossed in like the political aspects, I didn't care about the romantic aspects. Yeah. Sometimes I was like, "Wait, what happened to the romance?" You know, or whatever. So, I would say three out of five soju's oh, wow. okay. because of that. Okay. <laughs> but but like you said, like everything you said still stands. Like <laughs> definitely <laughs> worth watching. Yeah. So.
0: When the show ended, I was like, "Oh my god, this is." I was writing a high, right? This is a five out of five show. Oh my God. It's so good. Now I'm sitting here talking about it and I'm kind of like taking a step back. I feel like it's probably a four out of five show, four out of five soldier bottles Mm -hmm. for me. Because again, so many positives, great production, amazing, stunning production. But is it my favorite story? Did I have a full grasp of everything that was going on? I feel like there were. I was playing 20 chess games at the same time instead of one chess game. That's what it felt like to follow this plot. Well, I was like, oh, I was here. We're here. Oh, this is a romance chess board. Oh, this is the secondary romance chess board. Like, oh, we're doing like all these things. And that is a little bit frustrating at the end of the day. Because what, what did you like about the show? Was it everything? Was it just a couple of chess boards? Was it all the chess boards? So I feel like it's a four. Out of five.
1: I think if you watch it one more time, because this was my second viewing, mm-hmm. you may like adjust a little bit or at least have a better focus on like what you did or didn't like about it. Because, yeah, it was a lot to take in at once. It's so like hyper stimulating because you're like, what is yes. happening? And then the second time you watch, you're like, oh, yeah, like and now I get it. And like it, for me, at least it, it made a lot more sense the
0: second time. I so. bet. All right. We're going to get into spoilers right after this.
2: You come in?
0: Okay, we're on the other side of spoilers. We're going to spoil the shit out of Mr. Sunshine right now, and everything is on the table. All the chessboards are available to us to talk about. So, Mina, I think you wanted to start with the historical aspect of the show and go into some of your research. Yeah,
1: because I think. Yes, I think this is going to help ground us a little bit, both in our discussion and for the people who watch it but don't remember or watch it and don't really know what they all watched. So disclaimer that I'm not like an expert in Korean history <laughs> or like a Korean studies professor or something, but I did read a few things. One of the main things I read was this book called Korea History by Eugene Y. Park. That's where most of my information is from. And then I'll also send you some links that you can post yeah. for other articles and stuff if you guys are interested. So first, what I want to talk about was just the class system we were talking about earlier. Hmm. So. So the aristocracy of the area era, I should say, was called the Yangban. So aristocracy was Yangban. So that's like Lady Aishin. You became Yangban through your family lineage. So if your ancestors were Yangban, you inherited that title. You um, were Yangban as well. However, if a Yangban produced a child with an enslaved person, this child would inherit the enslaved uh, hmm. parent's status. So they could not ever be Yangban aristocracy. Those of us growing up in the United States or learned US history, it's a little bit similar to, in that sense of it at least, is similar to US uh, slavery. Right. So Yang Bun mainly were landowners, and that land was farmed for food and was worked by the enslaved people. And a lot of Yangban were government officials or scholars of Confucianism, mm-hmm. which is what we saw Lady Asian's fa- grandfather. I believe he was like making her study Confucian <laughs> Confucius and <Yeah>. Confucianism. <laughs> Below yangban were the chungin class and I could be mispronouncing all this so sorry but um they were kind of in between yangban and commoners and a lot of yang uh, chungin I should say a lot of chungin were lower level military officers or other government office workers so including those interpreters who worked for the government such as the ones we saw translating for the king on the show I believe would be considered chungin oh, and okay. below chungin were commoners yeah so commoners were often handicrafters and merchants so the baker the potter the metalsmith characters in the show would probably be considered commoners. Mm. So then at the very bottom of this social hierarchy we have the so-called lowborn, most of which were enslaved people, or as they're called in Korean, the nobi. And nobi could be purchased or inherited through a young bun's family, um, but unlike slavery here in the U.S., nobi were ethnically Korean, so they didn't have those like racial and ethnic differences, as you might have guessed from watching this show, that um, enslaved people in the U.S. had. So it was not uncommon for um, it was not uncommon for Nobi to run away and and then just get wage-paying jobs um, or just try and make a living in other ways. And there were slave catchers who would have to go find them, paid for by the young right. And I, I'm not going to get into, like, the details of, like, how slavery in Korea sort of ended. It took some time. It was a bit gradual. It wasn't, like, any emancipation like we had here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But it basically what it boiled down to is a lot of, like, money stuff, as with everything, you know. Right. Um, having Nobi was cost costly having to pay catchers for them uh was also very costly and after a while i was just like you know what we may as well just hire wage workers to work our land right so that was one thing i wanted to
0: mention um yeah it seems like in the show it is on the i guess it's taking place just after this sort of grand emancipation of slaves in korea and now those slave hunters and people that work for the Youngbonds are able to leave, able to work for a wage for the same family or what have you. Yeah, but yeah, because in 1894, I believe
1: this is when they formally abolished. Okay, see, slaves, and then the a lot stone, of but char- it's still
0: yes, a lot of characters were referencing like it's a new world. You know, there is no more. Yangban and Nobi or But there kinda still was yes. and especially
1: through like for example the butcher um butcher uh discrimination. So the Gu Dongmei was a butcher's son yeah. and we see in the beginning of the show when it's still like the late 1800s when Nobi were still a thing the butchers are treated so badly so poorly, um, really looked down upon and that really continued into Japanese occupation so into like the 30s 1930s, right. 1920s, and 30s so that continued and one kind of notable thing about Nobi who were more or less emancipated to a certain extent because it was like, same with America too, where like people were emancipated but then you still had people who were working on farms still and working as laborers still with really reduced wages. But um in Korea, one thing I noticed that was interesting, different from the US, I think, was that they had this sort of freedom to kind of adopt a new identity. So a lot of people would take would who became Emancipated or left the nobi system, adopted surnames of aristocratic yes, I've masters. Heard this. So, like Kim, yeah. Lee, Park. That's yeah, why these everyone are loyal, has like noble the same families
0: last names. Yeah, and they wanted to be associated with the Yangbongs, these great noble families. And so they'd just be like, Oh yeah, I'm a Choi. Oh yeah, I'm a Lee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and they just during this time period, there was a lot of like people just taking last names for the first time because people didn't have last names. Only the yangbangs had last right. names. It's crazy.
1: And then one other thing I want... To mention kind of related to women and like Lady Aishin's situation was that, um, during Chosen era, they were really into Neo Confucianism and this like whole, because they didn't have this as much in the Koryo or Shilla dynasties or in this exact way where women suddenly had to, especially if you're a noble woman like Lady Asian, you had to be, um, first of all, you had to be married so that you could, you had to have a son so you could carry on the, you know, your name, your lineage, your inheritance, your Yangban status. And if you didn't have a son, like for example, Lady Asian's grandfather didn't have one because she was refusing to get married and her, Thank her aunt never had any sons. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could adopt your brother's son or a son of a cousin on your father's side and make them an heir but illegitimate sons could not be heirs and because of neo- Neo-Confucianism daughters just could not have property rights or inheritance rights as women. But they did have to cover their faces so you see Lady Aishin traveling in her little palanquin I don't know how to pronounce that properly that little, like, I say know, palanquin thing, and then I the could be wrong. Palanquin, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then that like head covering it looks like, it looks like a skirt looks like the skirt of a handbook it's called the which is which I could might have pronounced wrong. Sagetima, so, like so skirt in Korean, it's like a skirt, but they actually it's formatted, meaning they cut it a little bit shorter and stuff. So it's really for as like a headdress, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And it looks a little like a like a head covering And so so especially if you're a noble woman, you cannot be seen by men. And then also the top knot worn by men in the chosen era in the beginning but until they like move into this Western modernization, it had to do with Confucian filial p- piety. Yes. So it, you are prohibited from tampering with your body because that you got that body from your parents. Right. You to like preserve it. It's to much.
0: honor your parents and the, your parents gave you your hair and all this stuff so you can't cut it. And that becomes a major kind that. of player later in the. The show when she gets her hair chopped. That off.
1: and also when she gets her hair chopped off, and also the fact, but as the Korea is modernizing, right? They're starting to so the king, which we see in the show, King Kojong, he was someone who's trying to introduce, like, really cooperate with the West, make Korea more modern. He introduced electricity, which you see that sort of in the show. Yeah. He, as you see, like he's a starts to adopt, um, kind of instead of his royal robes, he's wearing like Western clothes yeah, after some yeah. point. A lot of the guys start chopping off their top knots intentionally um, because they're sort of moving in this direction. And some people really displeased with King kojung's trying to like, you know, make treaties with like different countries, especially like Germany, England, America. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trying really hard because a lot of those treaties were kind of imbalanced and so Korea kind of had the underhand. Yeah. You know, they had more power, they had more things. The treaties he had with Japan, which I can't remember if he had made them or someone else made them, it was stuff like Japan could export as much rice as they wanted and never paid a tariff, it never paid a tax. Right. It sometimes led to things like rice shortages for Koreans yeah. and so they're like having to re-import back their own rice That's, that was exported to Japan. Like, Look, that is something <laughs> that was so.
0: persisting for decades after this time period because I think we leave off on the show right. in like 1907 or 8 or something. And right. Pachinko takes place decades later and yep. I mean they're talking about like rice is only for the Japanese. White rice. Yes. Look, the commoner people just don't eat rice. They eat barley rice which is yep. like a poor yes. type of rice and they're eating that in this show too. They're like eating raw barley but- rice because they can't Freaking create a fire because they'll be found out. So they're eating literally raw barley, wheat or rice. And it's insane to see some of these things crop up in another prestige television show like Pachinko, which I keep bringing up Pachinko. It's because we did a deep dive on the podcast on Pachinko. So if you want to listen to that, go scroll back. But honestly, it is very interesting to hear all of the history that you just explained. And I love that you went into the the kind of i think up not upheaval but like the changes that were happening during this time period and the type of environment that we're in like the classism and why is it so like such a thing it's because that was the thing back then you know it's like you're doing a um a civil war movie you're gonna talk about like the north versus south you know what i'm saying yes (laughs) <laughs> like
1: that's the thing yeah, well it. it brings me to that point of Eugene having this upward mobility that until the like like I said even though they were like emancipated it was, it was like banned I should say it was banned for them there to be no be anymore it wasn't like instantaneous so, like we're all free like you it had to like overnight. figure out what you're gonna do what's your new hustle and like right and some people stayed because it's like well this is familiar and this is what I know so yeah. why should I leave and like or I'm, you I'm had gonna a good family well and,
0: and they never beat you and they never did yeah. anything wrong so like you know, they just stayed yeah yeah things like that happened here in America with when slaver- slavery was was ended as well it was kind of like mm-hmm. w- you have to create a whole new life for yourself like what do you do so i think it's very believable that Ashin lady Ashin still has like her uh maids Servant. and her servants around yeah. her and they just are super loyal to her because they evidently worked for a very good family and he treated him well and he you know, did really good things toward the end of the show, which were groundbreaking. He was giving them property, literally just giving them his property based on like seniority. Essentially, if you worked for me for 30 years, you could have more property, more of my property. If you worked for me for 20 years, you get this plot of land. Like It was very interesting to see how he ended up kind of righting the wrongs of his class by just being good to his servants.
1: Well, this idea of like almost reparations comes up a lot mm. because at first, like I was saying in the beginning, I feel like the servants' attitudes and like their just kind of like literal bowing and scraping to Lady Ashine was a little irking irksome to me because I was like, what is this? Like, yes. this is so annoying. But I then agree. Eugene basically calls her out as like, hey, just like I was Noby, like when he finally confesses that he was one, um, when he originally was, he was originally quote unquote lowborn. And he's like, you know, your servants, your are homegirl and your homeboy, those people's names, I forgot, but they they are, They are. can't do the things that I couldn't do when I was nobie, you know, they are, and then she's having this like realization moment, I think in he Song, her fiance, when he is like realizing like, oh my God, my family, screwed over Eugene's family, um, killed his parents, and he's starting to like try and make, also I think very much feel like reparations, like he finds the guy yeah. who got beat because his watch was broken, and he's like, you know, doing all these things, and so these people are having these, these nobility people are having these enlightenment moments, which... I, it, like I said, that's like one part of the payoff thing, where you're like, yeah, <laughs> like you want to see that. Yeah. But it's also like so interesting that they are showing this because it does. It's even as nationalistic as it is. It's like, hey, we were having our own problems too. Like we weren't perfect before Japanese showed up, and then they ruined everything. And now, you know, like wasn't like that, which I think, yeah, the narrative some dramas maybe show or some some depictions of stuff show. But
0: uh huh, right? Yeah, I think was, I I really this. Oh, go for it.
1: No, i was just going to finish just by saying like this, the fact that people were having these epiphanies in the show, the characters of like, oh my gosh, like I contributed to this terrible system of oppression and we're trying to free and liberate Korea, but like we have oppression in Korea Mm -hmm. anyway, you know, for whole classes of people. Right. Was was definitely like part of that payoff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love when he confronts her and finally says what his origins are and she's stunned into silence. And... He basically challenges her and he says, Who are you fucking fighting for? Like, is it for everybody or is it just for the Yangban? Are you trying to free Korea from all of these Western influences and from Japan, the all terrible Japan, for just your class? Or is it for everyone? Is it for the butchers? Is it for me? Is it for the slaves? You know, what is this new world that you're trying to create? Is it just to benefit you? And I love how in episode, like, 10 or 11, she says, my world came crumbling down. What a <laughs> thing to say. She just never considered his origins. She says, I just well, assumed. Well, before that. She says, I just assumed you were a young man, like a nobleman. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But before that, it was Dongmei as a child, right? Who like yes. wakes her up a little bit in the palanquin, yes. right? Because
0: he he
1: is like escaping his butcher situation and she sees him all like kind of looking blood streaked and she says up him, no stuff, questions she's like, Get asked. In my- yeah and then once he gets in he's like you're just a fool a rich fool who like w- lives in comfort and what the hell do you know like it's it that was like her first taste of like reality <laughs> bites like you know like oh exactly. my gosh was slapped yeah. with this truth bomb and so that kind of she says later like that stayed with like that haunted me my whole yes. life and that's one of the last things she says to him and and he's like well good yeah <laughs> well good <laughs> and
0: then yeah but I, mean, I don't think and he meant it Eugene. as like okay good You i changed your worldview but i know he meant it also yeah. as good you just you thought of me because he was in love with her.
1: Right. He meant it as like, you remember me. Like, it was weird. Yeah, it was, it was weird, But, but it, it kind of did have like a, it had multiple purposes in the end, I guess, for her as like her character development. Like, she had that first taste of it. And then she had Eugene, you know, telling herself. And yeah. I think even meeting, he not. Hina? Yeah. Kudo? Yeah, her, I have to say her whole name, Hina Kudo. Hina, um, and she didn't know all of maybe Hina's like baggage but I think she knew like, okay like you're hustling, you're out here, you have like a story and she's realizing, like, wait, I've been couched in like a luxury my whole life and I whine every single day about it, you know?
0: <laughs> so- yeah, she's bitching for nothing. Um, And not that she's bitching the whole show, it's just like little things here and there, but you're like, shut up. Like everyone at some yeah. point says to Eshin in so many words, like, shut up, you're a noble woman like you live a great life
1: yeah
0: and there's so many people who are like don't do this just go back to your like little yeah people (laughs) are like don't get involved it's very serious it's so dangerous just go back to your cushy life and she's always like no (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) and continues on her merry suicidal way um she says at one point I thought I was different from other nobles but I wasn't the cause I fought for was nothing but ironic which I was like damn that sucks sucks to suck (laughs) Because she yeah. <laughs> was fight- she thought she was fighting for something good. She didn't even know the whole story. She didn't know who was calling the shots no. in the Righteous Army or nothing. She was just flying blind. Yes. And then she realizes, like, what am I even fighting for? Who am I fighting for? And it, like, threw her for a loop. <laughs> it was great. I mean, great. I do think
1: the backstory of her parents being kind of the first Righteous Army yeah. or, like, whatever. That yeah. probably wasn't called that then, but, like, revolutionaries or whatever. And so she was both... I don't know. I couldn't tell what her motivations were. Let me know what you think. But was it like carrying on this mantle of her parents was a whole cool deal? Or was she this just this patriotic for some reason, even though like she had nothing she didn't she wanted for nothing. Mm. So like she's fighting for this like what, her luxury life? Like I okay. I, I know it's not that, but I'm like, gonna jump in. At first I was struggling to really
0: Yes, tell me. I'm gonna jump in here because I really feel like <clears throat> it's because she was so educated, like her grandfather doted on her and educated her way beyond what a woman should have been educated for during that time period and then she started she just has a rebellious spirit about her i feel and so she started reading the newspaper he didn't want her to read the newspaper he didn't want her to get up up to date on current events he didn't want her to know what's going on in the government and she was extremely interested in that and she it kind of like lit a fire in her because you know when they tell you not to do something first of all you're going as a teenager you're going to want to do it <laughs> even now I'm kinda like, well, I'll do it anyway. And she definitely had a little bit of that in her, but also she just felt such a moral responsibility, even as a child saving the butcher son Dongmei, she thought yeah. she knew it was the right thing to do. <clears throat> she had a great moral compass. And you know, it's her- only later <laughs> that people start like talking about like how your moral how her moral compass isn't that all that uh, pointing north. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Well, that's why I found it so ironic was she was so like you know, on her high horse about like, you know, I'm not like the other nobles, but then she's like, <laughs> Bring my palanquin. Yeah, no, no, no. And then she's like she's <laughs> you know, uh, like like bring that letter to me or whatever. Like she's doing all that like nobility yeah, stuff. She's very like, haughty weird. like Yeah, super snobby. (laughs) Yeah, snobby. (laughs) And she was even the fact that she was willing to marry He Song just like, I know for her it was a bit hypothetical because he was away for so long. He was very conveniently just, like, not showing up. Right. Um, to marry her. And he was, but she was still, she, at no point was she like, I'm not marrying that guy until, like, he showed up in her face and was like, oh crap, I'm not marrying (laughs) this guy. But until then, she's just like, yeah, then until she's like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll marry him, whatever. And then, uh, like, I found that interesting that she didn't fight that earlier, but maybe that's me just splitting hairs and, being nitpicky about this.
0: You're right. I I agree with that that she seemed to be okay with marrying song when she was like 10 years ago, I guess when she was 20 or maybe yeah. 19 years old. Or like yeah, yeah. She was like 19 and that's when they got engaged and then he like fucked off to Japan. For, for, yeah, <laughs> which for I why? That I was like for
1: him <laughs> he, he like why did he go away and not come back? Because he was so lonely. He had all these like kind of superficial seem like vacuous relationships in Japan was just like smoking, drinking, gambling, reading, like writing, like self-important things. And then like not coming back to to Korea. But he was so lonely because like, like I felt his loneliness. And I was like, why don't you just come here and marry her sooner when you were finished rather than just like extending your school or whatever he was doing in Japan. Like Again, that, I think he was
0: also at? in the same way that she was rebelling he was rebelling against his own family, which he felt like was such a burden. His family was such a burden on him. Everything they did cost something, someone else, their livelihood or their lives. And so I feel like he truly felt burdened by the responsibilities of the family and somehow innately knew that everybody in his family was doing something wrong (laughs) or had wronged others. And I think he was just... Just avoiding, like just deny, deny, deny. Avoiding in Japan, having a good time in Japan, trying to fill this void with all this crap that you mentioned, like studying for ten years and women and just being a romantic. This is this what she says to him as well. Uh, Kim Teddy's character says to Ebiungun, "Like, oh, we're living in the romantic era. People tell me we're living in the romantic era, and it's very true for." Song's character. Because he's living a romantic fantasy. You know what I'm he saying? Loves,
1: he loves useless things, you know? Yeah, he loves what useless he things. He keeps saying that. That was his catchphrase. He loves the
0: star and the moons so and like
1: whatever he was saying. He's got was like stars something.
0: and the moons and the flowers and all this shit. Like He's just a hippie. And <laughs> he comes back finally. And for some reason, he thinks not to talk to his family first. He goes to visit his fiancee, whom he's never seen in his life before.
1: Yeah. But he's like in love and he's, he's ready. Love was- at first
0: sight because he sees her and he's yeah. like, perfect. I need that flower in my life for the rest of my life. And he regrets staying away for so long because she's just so stunning, right? She's beautiful. And which she is. She is, no doubt. But I I feel you on your nitpicks though. I'm feeling yeah. you on like, like what, what is, is this, this <laughs> motivation? And like for ten years, ten. Years. It is not a short amount of time that these people are rebelling in their way, their own ways. Right. Yeah.
1: I have to go back to the acting of the guy who played. He song like his ability because he had so much more. Uh, like people just thought he was a dummy, which he kind of was, but then he kind of like had more going on. If he like put any effort into like rubbing his two brain cells together and forming a <laughs> thought, he kind of like had like, because when he would, you know, he would greet him and be like, ha, 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 I am he's yeah. like, whatever my name is. And, and then he would, he could like turn that stuff off and on when he was like trying to strategically help everybody else. Right. He was also the way he was initially submitted by Ishin, he was smitten with Dongmei, smitten with Eugene, and I was like he just is love with everybody like he is like a romantic <laughs> he, he wanted he was ready to be their friends he's ready to throw down as much as he could he loved Hina like he loved everybody and he's like this is my crew and I, he kind of made them the interesting thing is that he made them the glue kind of or he was the glue to make them like a crew mm. because otherwise like Hina did have her pull and then Ishin had her pull but otherwise like the real glue I think in my opinion anyway was song's character and I think mm. the acting was so good where he Seems both like like tacky, vacuous, kind of like a a playboy who just like you want to dismiss. But then he's like, no, I'm actually I'm really lonely and I'm really hurt and I have all these like deep emotions that is a little hard for him to like express, pinpoint and say. But he has them, and the way like his character develops was also of course well written. But his acting, I thought, was again he this guy just might be my type. And his like,
0: you know, (laughs) but I liked his his whole deal. Yeah, like he's (laughs) like this. Stereotypical pretty boy from a rich family. And in K-drama, like these guys, you you end up rooting for them because they're so charming and (laughs) they have everything going for them. And he like by all accounts, he should have ended up with Eshin's character because he's formatted in K drama land like But he uh,
1: sacrificed her. That's like part of
0: his reparations like thing he was on. He's like, you know what? I'll give that up. I don't understand. Like, obviously, I can understand him giving her up because she didn't love him. Right. And he's right. somehow very honorable and was like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm not going to marry someone who doesn't want me. Cool. Yeah. But then it also veered t- into that reparations thing where he was like, well, if she loves Yi byung character, if, he lo- if she loves Eugene and my family has done everything wrong to Eugene and taken everything from him, like, how am I going to take her from him? Right. So I feel kind of conflicted about like why he let her go. Cause I don't necessarily want it to be a reparations thing. I want him to be just like a a good man. <laughs>
1: I know at one point he says to Eugene himself, when Eugene's like, oh, you did this, or he says something about like, oh, you let her go or whatever, like you're not following her around. He's like, not because of you. <laughs> he's like, she wants to be a free woman. She wants to live her own life. And I did appreciate that. Like he, the sentiment at least he expressed to Eugene was definitely out of pettiness. Like he's like, well, I'm not gonna admit that it's for you, and though I did feel like I did feel like it was also for him, or like the whole I did feel like there's a reparations thing had a component in this. But the fact that he was like, She wants to live her life, and literally no one will let her do that. Like the grandfather won't. Everyone's telling her to just put down her gun and like start. Being a lady like he's like i'm gonna let her do what she wants to do like i respected that so much maybe i'm giving him too much credit (laughs) the bar is low
0: (laughs) yeah uh look we can talk about the patriarchy for a second because her life okay is basically in revolt of the patriarchy and in episode 16 i think she really does try and go against like hundreds of years of patriarchy when she just refuses to get married at all like she tells her g I I always say grandpa instead of grandpa. Okay, she tells her grandpa that she's just not going to get married at all. Nobody. And he's consistently wanting her to take a husband so she's protected and that he can be her shield and all this stuff. Yeah. And I love that she says that she's trained for 10 years so she doesn't need a shield at all. All she wants is to give her heart to the man she loves no marriage and i was like that is groundbreaking even today like yeah it is such a noble intention she kind of like does this whole speech with her grandpa and cuz she needs no shallow or stereotypical security from a man she just wants the luxury of love of affection and it's really beautiful she does not, as a character, follow through on that. Because she chooses the righteous cause, does not give in to like, this romantic ideal of just loving a man for loving a man. And ultimately, Eugene's character bails her out at the end of the movie. At the movie. Yeah. Look at me. At the end of the, the show. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of the show, he is like helping her to no end. And th- he tells her at one point... Like, you cannot – you have not repaid me at all for literally everything that I've done for you. The least that you can do is stay with me. Like, stay by my side. Of course, like, that's the try it and chew K-drama line. Like, just stay by my side. And she doesn't. She's like, no. (laughs) In fact, she tries to break up with him. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I wish that it was – a little more on the romantic side than on the like righteous cause side, because it really falters her like assault on patriarchy because she ends up needing every guy in her life.
1: In the K drama fanfic version of this <laughs> show, for me, I want to <laughs> feel like it was Hina Kudo meeting Hinakudo somewhat made her at least say these things about like wanting to like not ever marry anyone mm. and to, and to like, you know, F the patriarchy and all this kind of stuff because Hina was married, played every dude like a fiddle, <laughs> you know, yeah, like she's so she, manipulated. Like used her, yeah, she's her feminine wiles for like as a, as truly a weapon. And like she maintained this like, hee hee, I'm like a beautiful, like, I'm like a, the owner of this hotel and she had all this like autonomy. And I, again, in this like fanfic version of this in my mind, I want to say she was inspired by her or something about meeting her changed something for her. But yeah, it didn't really follow through completely. She's married to Korea. Yes, yeah, she's, ex- <laughs> she's married to the cause. Oh my God,
0: exactly. <laughs> she ends up basically marrying the cause and marrying her nationalism and the country and yeah. at the end the final shot is literally of her with the korean flag and that's the love of her life essentially <laughs> um okay side note that i need to like interrupt and say is can we just
1: give props to the child actors in this oh freaking show? they god were
0: so good holy shit so good they were amazing. every kid was amazing yes, yes. did you oh my god have you watched um every <laughs> when the camellia uh-huh. blooms at all Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So the I kid. So that little boy. The kid from. Little Eugene. Oh, my God. And we covered the show on the podcast. Yeah. When the Camellia Blooms. Pilgu. Pilgu is back. Yes. Young Eugene. Pilgu. That's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was
1: so good. His crying. The crying, crying and, and the everything.
0: And, oh, God. Oh, like, like, my God. You just want to. begging begging. Hug and, him. Oh. He, he yes, does so well. That him, is actor sure. Kim Kang Hoon. <laughs> Hoon. And yes, amazing as Pilgu and as Young Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. I haven't watched, isn't he in Racket Boys or something? But I haven't watched oh, that yet. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't watched Racket Boys it's either. He's like an
1: adolescent now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he's in that. But anyway, he is great as a child actor. So I'm sure he'll be, we'll keep seeing him in the future. Hopefully. Absolutely.
0: So oh my God. But speaking of cameos, um, the Descendants of the Sun, second couple, are Kim Teddy's Ooh. parents. Like that, in that extended flashback sequence in episode <gasps> one. Oh yeah, yes. Jingu yeah. and um, what's her face? Lord, I forgot her name. But they, yes, yes, yeah, I forgot her name. But I love her. Yes. What is her name? God, oh my god, from My Liberation Notes, <laughs> she's so good. She's amazing. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. I'll get her name yes. right now. But what did you think of that cameo? And honestly, they kind of mildly reference. Oh, it's Kim Duwon. Kim Duwon and Jingu. Um, yep. They mildly reference how, you know, in a, fu- in a future Korea with peace and, like, independence or whatever, Ugh. they will find each other again. Like, they were talking about her You're parents. right. And I was You're like, right. is this an yes. obvious reference ah! to Descendants yeah. of the Sun?
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Definitely I it was. I like it <laughs> is. Ah!
1: Okay. Had to have been. Had to have been.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Oh man!
1: But yeah, the kid actors were doing such a great job. The kid who played little Gu, Gu Dong Mei, like had his similar somehow like a child version vibe of his, and yeah. was so good. The the little like um, what Domi who helped at the American Legation was adorable. Oh my god! I so know. Good.
0: Oh my god! But the, at the dark. end of the show, they showed yeah. him grown up. <gasps> and- oh, <no>! <laughs> 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 Kim Min-jae played. He literally salutes like Eugene's salutes grave. I'm like oh Grave my god. and I'm like, oh my god. This show had everything. It, oh my god. You know <laughs> the SNL sketch?
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It had this, everything. This show had everything.
0: Anyway. Samurai <laughs> says <soldiers> and yeah. <laughs> Let's start with it. I will die if you like actually develop a little um script <laughs> oh shit anyway that was awesome <laughs> he's from delhi and cocky prince i believe and yeah he plays the little Aaron boy all grown up at the very end of the, like, the yes. final scene of the yes. movie oh uh, kyle moore like the teenage soldier but there's more like descendants of the sun people in here because oh kyle, yes, moore? kyle moore yep that guy yep is the bad guy okay, from his accent like, kept like
1: yes yes i remember yes. his accent he like was going from like southern like hey eugene <laughs> like <laughs> to like some i don't know his accent was like all over the place i was like what is going on with your accent I like agree. i know you speak english like what's happening did right now did they put blue
0: contacts but on him or was it my in my head i think they did and i, f- I found it so weird because isn't he korean yeah, He's had, sp- like, like a korean um, american yeah but his name is uh, yeah so i was like david mckinnis
1: david McKinney. yes and, uh, but they were trying to play it off like he was just a like caucasian american yeah and i was
0: like, I was like there no one's talking when are we gonna about, talk about his koreaness oh never never <laughs> i have to because he's leave. not Korean. his character's not korean his character's not korean, <laughs> <laughs> not korean but he is have, oh god here it is he, he is, is in real
1: life and then i think i think you're right about the contact thing which were really throwing me off like i was very confused every at first when he first like kept coming on screen and his accent was all over the place i was like where in america <laughs>
0: Are you supposed to be Yeah, he's up? American, <laughs> but he obviously is in the entertainment industry in Korea. Wikipedia yeah. says since 1999 he's been working in Korea. Yeah. But yeah, he's American. I think I knew that. And obviously yeah.
1: Korean. Like I think for this character though he was trying to he's like sometimes I'm from South
0: Carolina, Eugene. and then sometimes well, I'm from, like, okay, so this I don't actor, know British or something. David McKinnis is from Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, and I think we talked about this on the Descendants of the Sun <laughs> episode, too, because um, he he's from Wisconsin, and okay, I just well, think that that's not
1: what his accent said. the
0: <laughs> accent was a little shaky.
1: Because sometimes he sounded mid-Atlantic. Sometimes he sounded like he like, had just yeah, from London or There was or a mid-Atlantic accent, it was, like, very too. weird.
0: Or a transatlantic yes, accent, because yes. sometimes he was he had that, yeah, like, sing-songy it, yeah. thing going on, too. And I was like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> We are on the same page. But David McKinnis, did you think that he was going to be the bad guy at the end? I thought.
1: I did think he was going to either do something inadvert- inadvertently or like intentionally just screw things up. Yes. But he I
0: thought that so. he was like a spy or something and leaking information to the Japanese yeah. that he was a traitor at some point. Never happened. Right. Purely good guy. Never happened. I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: surprised. Um, I... I wanted to talk real quick about the Junyoung, the military academy officer who is like ready to go to war today for Korea, ready oh. to kill Japan today. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because his he's also a younger actor, not a child one maybe, but like his development too was and his acting the last couple episodes where he's like on the train with them. And oh yeah, he's oh, like yeah, absolutely. You know, he was so good, and I don't know what else he's in, but he is super good. So props to that guy. I just wanted to shout him out because. Um, also looking at his Asian Wiki profile, like he ha- he is thirty now and what? has some beautiful hair, so good for him. <laughs> Wait, he's thirty and what? What was the last bit? Beautiful haired, beautiful haired, beautiful haired. <laughs> look him up on Asian Wiki. Well, his name his is Dong Wh- Dongyun. Dong. Oh, I hear, Dong-yoon. I see him, I see him. Okay.
0: And oh, so, look at his it. Asian
1: <laughs> Wiki profile now.
0: You're killing me with I'm hair. so sorry. I'm
1: purely shallow in any kind of beauty. I will have to like note okay like, well talking Harry, about beauty i talked about
0: okay no but yes. no now you you hit a nerve here because you're talking about beautiful people <laughs> and beautiful hair and shit and like you <laughs> Yun suck as good on me yeah right what right the hell oh my was god. that oh my god okay i only saw i only saw reply 1984 where he played like the dorkiest baseball player on the oh planet my and, god, and he was from now yeah he he being this, and i was like oh. 94 is oh. uh, to me that's not the best uh reply oh, the worst of the, replies. Like the worst one the worst reply but i watched the whole thing partially because of him because i was like well he's fun then- he <laughs> was putting off waves of just sexy in this show
1: yeah and i could I not
0: deal with it i was like i love ebyong like as much as the next person but like yeah who is the real lead here it's good yes One hundred percent. He was acting
1: his ass off. His he had this thing with the clothes going on. Same to like the girl who played Hinakudo. He just was those samurai robes he was wearing. I mean, it got like kind of annoying to be like blood splattered for him all the time. But (laughs) he just his his like smirking, his like just strutting around, and his like just the vibe so
0: good. Yeah, so good. Oh my god, that questionable facial hair. All the facial hair. Um. I, th- I think those are like the things they put
1: on him every morning. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he grew that. Well, the thing is, I was not, looking closely.
0: Me. It's like the bottom half <laughs> under his chin, all of that was real. And then just the stash okay. was fake.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw him talk about it at some point. And I do remember he said somewhere, maybe it was the stash that he was talking about, like having to get them like individually hair, individual hairs placed on him at, before every shoot. And it took like a hundred years for him to like get into that, like just visual Mode, oh my so, God. Well, I. Because um, okay. the hair, you know, was like, I think a wig. Yeah, yeah. Like, the
0: hair was so. definitely a wig. They, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have him looking ratchet out in the streets. Um, but, yo, <laughs> no. so look, episode five, I think it is. They're picking up shit off the floor in some, I don't know, like a shop or something. And mm-hmm. he, uh, her pink skirt brushes over his hands. Oh, yes. I <gasps> lost love- like I loved it. It was so beautifully shot, beautiful and yes. sensual, and yes. it had like the vibe Ugh. of like a hand shot in a period piece drama, like a la Mister Darcy and mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice. Like it had yeah, that yeah. like vibe. Yeah. I was like, this is for the ladies in the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not for the guys. The guys don't understand this. It's for the lady, yeah. the women. And I mean, and then he grabs her skirt. Her as reaction well. to her like. Yeah, because yeah. she's like, oh, oh my God. God, like, you know. Oh, my God. Unhand me. God. It, it was literally like under my skirt right now. It's yes. like 45 feet away from my body, but still <laughs> scandalous. <a> scandal. Scandalous. <laughs> and he keeps saying, like, he's not doing anything, even though he's clearly, like, clutching yeah. her skirt. And he won't let the skirt go. Yeah. And I just haven't – have Didn't he, notes. like, cut his hand or something? Oh, no, I, was, I, I don't think it cut like, his hand. It, like, leaves, like, a that. paper
1: cut on his hand,
0: I thought. Oh, man. Anyway. But he was like <laughs> – I mean, in my nose I have, what is going on? What does this mean? <laughs> and the closing... Because these three dudes are after her. Yeah. Yeah. They're after her. He would, like, have these moments with her that just, oh, I just... I couldn't deal with that one moment in episode five. And the closing shot of that episode was them inside the building. It's like a freeze frame image of them. And it's almost like they're not moving at all because it's in slow motion. The rain is falling in slow motion. It was absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous. Ten out of ten. Him with every girl. Like his stuff with Hina Kudo too. <gasps> like her final
1: confession, I was slayed. Like, oh my God. I was like, this could have this could have this I would have won either way. Had he like ended up somehow having a real romantic moment with Lady Acheen or with Hina Kudo, it would have been a win for everyone involved because it was he's he just was sensual and all that with everyone, oh like my all God. the ladies and like he's just his, his, pure his, sex. Like pure yeah. <laughs> in the vein sex. The the woman with mutism that he had as like his sidekick almost oh my like, god yeah, he's like Teller living moment. with
0: the sh- shaman girl who like
1: was yes, just doing uh, yes. tarot cards oh, oh when he would walk in on hinakudo's bath sorry now my hit brain is like flashing images of the show <laughs> like every minute i was having a cow over
0: <laughs> a review oh man yeah so uh yo in episode 10 or 11 i can't remember which one it is hinakudo is riding the trolley at night and it's snowing so she holds she holds out her hand to catch the falling snow and he grabs her hand and whisks her off the trolley in like pure Mm k-drama form and just the visuals Mm -hmm. were stunning they're left standing like super close to one another and then she pulls she pulls a gun on him and she says be careful when you take a lady's hand we don't always carry rainbows and sunshine and I was uh, like, bitch, like, <laughs> I was, like, dying. <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that was – talk about slow burn, because that secondary romance, if you can even call yeah. it that, was yeah. pure vibes. If you thought the yes. main romance was vibes, the secondary thing yes. with Dongmei and – Because you know, they
1: were more of a kindred spirit, I feel like, because they'd gone through the same kinds of shit. Like yes. You know, like, Yeah. Yes. Also when even the moment where he cuts Ishin's hair even though that was brutal. That was awful. It wouldn't have been so brutal if if all that wasn't happening that whole time. Like it wouldn't have the same impact I feel the act of especially for us as modern viewers like you don't like yeah I don't want anyone to cut my hair like that in the middle of the street but like because they knew each other it was I think a little bit softened and because you know him and he's sort of like that it was kind of like eh. But then like I think like the build up of like just all the, the tenseness around them all the time the tension around them all the time and then he like whips out his sword and cuts her hair was extra shocking because of that mm. so i think he just did it and everyone acting their pants off in the show and that was great slash horrible you know what i mean like mm-hmm. <laughs> when he
0: did that mm-hmm. yeah the impact was i'm great. gonna skip to the end uh with dongme and hina because what is that episode 23 yes. oh my god so she dies <laughs> right it is yeah. brutal He takes her. This is where we coming back to like the transportation issue. Like they were essentially in Seoul. They end up at the beach. He took her to the beach. Close to where her mother. On piggyback because she can't walk. On piggyback. She cannot walk. She's dead weight. Close to where her mother is buried. She confesses that Eugene is not the one in her heart anymore and hasn't been for a long time. She says she's been waiting for a man who loves another woman and that that love Made him go mad. And I was like, bitch, say less. (laughs) She says (laughs) the area, this like the beach, would be beautiful in snow, told him to come visit her when it snows. And, of course, they flash back to that moment that I just talked about when he grabs her off of the trolley in the snow and they're just, like, frozen in time. And uh, then she tells him, like, you know, don't come right away. Live a little longer. It's awful. They had... Such a wonderful, unfulfilled love and ultimately she died a patriot, something that she was kind of wrestling with the whole show. Mm -hmm. you know, what her identity was. What did you think
1: of when the bathtub scene where she gets out of the bath and she's covered in scars? I mean, her backstory of like getting married off by your dickhead dad to some like douchebag probably who's like, you're like his second wife. I think he was old. He dies. Yeah, super, super old, dies, you get everything by just de facto, you're his widow. And then, but obviously she was so, like where, like I, She was so upset and hurt that her dad did this to her. She's always missing her mother. And I really want to know more about, like, why she missed her mother so much, like, other than obvious reasons, you know, like what happened to her mother or, like, whatever her mother might have endured as the wife of her crazy father. And then, like, (laughs) this. Yeah, Iwanik. And then the scars all over her, her, like, her ability to be like I speak Japanese I speak French I speak English I speak Korean you know like all of that like all that survival stuff like what was she doing in Japan like I mean not Japan what was she doing with the fencing in France and was it just that guy and like sussing out who's a spy and just having this like one eye on everything at her hotel like knowing all the shady business but acting like she didn't acting so innocent like she had so much going on and then even that's why I feel like she's really more kindred spirits with um, with Dongmei because he also went through God knows what in Japan Mm-hmm. and then you know like we know his childhood and then we skip all of his whole life in Japan and now he's in Korea starting around but we miss so many there's so many gaps for both of them but they've both been they're like kindred and they know like each I absolutely feel somehow, the same way that like, they're
0: soulmates yes. yeah and he's
1: so distracted by Aishi and it's like so dumb but,
0: oh my god but she's also just, end- she herself was also so that's the thing <laughs> is like by the end when Dongman dies I'm fully expecting him to have visions of Hina as he's pa- passing on I thought the same thing. He doesn't. He has (laughs) visions of Eshin again. And I'm like, oh my God, to the end. He never like...
1: Why not though? Because I get like you. She saved your life, and that was like a pivotal moment in your life slash childhood. And like this, this, and maybe it's like hope for him. This nobility didn't treat him like absolute shit. So like he's like, oh my god, <laughs> right. I love you. But it was <laughs> yeah, I totally it was feel sort of like baffling
0: was, by the end. It's baffling by the end, and he did just imprint on Ishin essentially. There was no like nobody yeah. else. It, brutal. Even though he's very affected when Hina dies, it's not what I thought when he. Nice. No, same. Yeah.
1: Also, what about the betrayal from the lady the shaman lady with the mutism mutism like her betrayal of him by selling him out? Uh, and saying the like, lady, yeah. she was in Japan. Did you, I don't know if you remember that. So I lady, she goes to Japan to carry out her mission. And then she sends a telegram because she just doesn't want Gudongmei to die saving her, which he obviously was like prepared to do. And he is so pissed at her. And yeah, then the whole like his little se- faction of the Black Dragon Society falls apart. The Mushin, as they call it in the show. Um, yeah. Is that was, the translation was- for Mushin? Black Dragon? No, so there was a real society called Black Dragon Society that kind of roamed around Korea as part of like uh, affiliated with Japan. And they were sort of like maybe like Yakuza. I don't know if that's I kind of assumed that they like, were Yakuza. And I think at that.
0: one point I read a translation. Of, of course, it was on Netflix. Of But it was a real. P- but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think you would consider like to compare to modern day, you would think Yakuza mm. similar, like, stuff going on, similar, like, interactions or transactions. Yeah, yeah. But there was a real thing called Black Dragon Society that existed. And they actually, I think, possibly, or at least when it aired in Korea, they called them the Black Dragon Society. And then they changed the name to Mushin Society because it was too – actually, <sighs> um, the writers got accused of being too pro-Japanese. Yes. And saying, like, specifically Gunzong Mei's character of being, like, somebody who was justified in hating korea to death you know like uh, so that's so wronged
0: so that's the <laughs> thing about uh the complaint of it being pro-japanese is because the movie the movie why do i keep saying the movie it's just cinematic <laughs> it's just so cinematic i think it's a movie yes yeah, so no the show does a great job of painting korea in a negative light and a positive light and you have the running theme of patriots I, mean, I was drop, to your snowdrop- Episode yes. and there's
1: a blue there was a blue house petition for this show as well. Because oh, I know you mentioned that for your snowdrop. So there was a blue house petition saying, okay, so I have a quote here. It says on July 16th, uh, this is from South China Morning Post. I have this quote. And on July 16th, the petition appeared on the Wa Day, which is the Blue House website, calling on the government to prevent factual errors in period dramas. The petition stated, quote, In the historical facts, there are definite perpetrators and victims. Chosan was not depicted as a victim of colonization, but instead one that invited it. Gu Dongmei's <laughs> character is a villain, but by showing reasons he had to Joined the pro-Japanese organization, his actions have been justified, end quote. So so this was like as the show was airing and then they had to like kind of rewrite, they rewrote his whole character to be a little like more on the Korean side or like helping Korea because this was the way it was starting to go. People were getting pissed in Korea. So <laughs> they sent this petition, the writers rewrote it, they they changed uh, Black Dragon Society to Mushin Society, which is a fictional uh,
0: thing. Got but, you. Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting because that's my favorite thing of the show is like, uh, uh, I guess the characters... Have every reason to hate Korea. You know, Korea is painted in a bad light because of their history.
1: Some. <laughs> some Korean netizens were upset because they were like, "Why are you showing that Korea had no electricity till like someone else brought it in?" I mean, because that's what happened. Like, sorry, <laughs> like you know, some people, <laughs> right, right, were getting right. upset over kind of silly, thi- sillier things. You know, right. or taking umbrage at because they're they maybe themselves are super patriotic, and I, I understand like you don't want Korea to come across some kind of like backwards backwards. Oh, true, yeah, but yeah, sure. But I mean, historically speaking, and I think this is one thing about historical fiction that's so interesting. And again, going back to your Snowdrop thing for a minute, which I was listening to a little bit, there is like this push and pull of like historical fiction and and being like a fiction and being art and being this and that. But then if you don't know the history or you don't have a context for the history, there's so much that could go wrong. And so it definitely touches lots of nerves. And I mean, the thing about electricity is silly or like, you know, but the, but I get kind of why they're like you're. They're like you're basically saying Japan and this guy like selling himself to Japan, like his 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 um, allegiance to Japan made sense, and they were upset with it. And then they like, okay, we're gonna backtrack and change it and change the, like the his story arc. I don't know. It's it's hard. I'm on the fence about that one. Too. I really am. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even have a side really because I'm like, but I, I will, full disclosure, I studied history in college. I have a history <laughs> degree. So it's, um, and one thing about it is like, it's, it's sort of like that line from Hamilton, like, who lives, who dies, who tells yeah, your story. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, who gets to say what is history? Yeah. And who is the one teaching it? And how are you portraying it? And what, whose perspective are we looking at it from? Because some of those people who, which Mr. Sunshine shows, who are like kind of pro Japanese or, or like, you know, played with the Japanese so that they would get some, Kickback, like Iwanique, for example.
0: That's a prime example of a terrible, terrible yeah, character. Yeah, was-
1: is a prime example. Of, yeah, but they they have their reasons exactly. too. And for them, to them, it's like, well, it's good that Japan. Sh- like some people definitely did even later. Like maybe they showed some pachinko, which I haven't watched. If I read the book like many times, but there's some people who were fine, not fine, but they were like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll play w- along with the Japanese stuff. Like I don't care that they're here. I think they're making our country better. And there's always Eugene some is
0: constantly that. maintaining this narrative. I is. I don't care who takes ownership of Korea. I really don't. I just want all of you guys to stay safe.
1: <laughs> well, that was fine. weird because he's like, I'm not helping Korea because of Korea. I'm helping because of this lady. I was like, this is
0: weird. Like, he, but okay. that's, that's another thing to, you know what? Let's segue into their relationship because I, I feel like it's okay. the main thing that people recall of the show is just them too. And he is, again, maintaining that he is American, 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 American pro-america, don't tread on me, all that shit. And <laughs> he is actively going back to Korea and jeopardizing his entire military career for the woman he loves because she is a revolutionary. She's trying to put Korea back on on top again and trying to fortify Korea against all of these foreign incursions. And even though America is taking like a back seat during this time period, this very small time period, like there's tensions from all sides. And, you know, at one point they were talking about like, why isn't America helping us? Because we're allies. We, sounded, we signed a treaty with America and they're not doing anything to help us. It's because of all of these back backwoods money deals that happen that there's a loan out to Japan from America. America stands to make a ton of money off of any th- war that happens in Japan, so it behooves them not to do anything. So it was like very political in that sense. And he just mm-hmm. bypasses all of that. Like, he is above <laughs> all of that, essentially. He's not married to America, unlike her. People <laughs> are, Korea. yes. He loves America. He <laughs> calls it his homeland, fine. But he is not mm-hmm. burying himself next to the American flag. And, Mm-mm. you know, being that into patriotism, like she is. Like, he's not yeah. that... Even because he did it for survival reasons, and you
1: know he was like, "This is a ladder I could climb—the ladder of the military. I can work my way up the ranks till I become whatever he, whatever like role he was." I honestly feel
0: like they didn't do such a good job of explaining why he was in the military, like what it gave him. Right. I guess you could see like the end product, obviously, of all of his power and influence while he's in Korea at the legation. But initially, he was being bullied harassed in the streets just because he was asian
1: and i mean there's that line in the in the show where he's like an american gun doesn't care if you're a noble or yeah a
0: no, no, no yeah B. yeah like you know like he says that to her yeah and then he's got so all the quips. I was like, what does <laughs> this mean what is what is that quip like carry a big stick oh my god oh um, the <laughs> he quotes a president yeah 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 at yeah. one point carry a big stick
1: speak softly and carry that's a big it stick. that's
0: a that's some president that said that. I can't remember which one it's, it's not. Is it Teddy Roosevelt? I think it is Teddy Roosevelt. It's Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt said that it's he quotes it like a couple of times early <laughs> no, on. No, that was corny as hell. I'm like, what the hell are you talking yes. about? Why are you <laughs> so saying I'm that? So I'm very intrigued by his distinction of like, I'm not doing this for Korea. I don't give a fuck who owns Korea. But he hates yeah. the Japanese when whatever they're doing in the streets. Like he's but wildly he is upset. So
1: fluent. Yes. Why is he fluent? Like I have so many questions. Like, did he was he stationed in Japan? I know, like, of course, America is also involved in Japanese stuff for a long time. I don't know what was going on. I was just like, I didn't get him at some, some points, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I just didn't get him. And then the fact that he was at the very end, like you said, helping so much, but because of her? I was like, that's your excuse because you just want to help her? I mean, it almost like he wasn't – even if he had said, like, because I love – the like Potter guy. I mean, he was sort of alluding to that, but like he didn't like say it so explicitly. He was just like, "It's all about her." I was like, "No, you love everybody here. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you love all these Korean people." So yeah, admit it, I you know? uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess the distinction I'm trying to make is he can back her and her ideologies without believing in her ideologies, and I feel like that would throw me. But off can the he? Set? I don't you know? think
1: so. I wasn't buying it. Right. I felt like. I was like, no, you love Korea. Just admit. It. Right. Like, he would. And you then know, if the it flag, comes down to it,
0: you would pick Korea. The flag that the oh, king Oh, like, <laughs> why is that? he holding on that flag? Explain that. What was that? Then he I had it understand. draped on his bed or something. Like, I, there was uh-uh. like some weird. That thing. was weird. That was That's like, when, like what the is nationalism? Going
1: on? Was getting really weird. Yeah. The patriotism it, was getting so weird. Girl. I was like, what are we doing
0: right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Let's recenter here. So, um, Lord, where do I go? We were talking about their <laughs> romance. The, the meet-cute. Let's yeah. talk about the meet-cute. Episode two, they meet. I don't know oh, if I'm I've ever seen a meet-cute where they're both trying to snipe the same guy. Before. it was
1: creative it was clever i liked i liked that as a meet
0: yeah yeah a lot of iconography them on the roof Them like freeze frame because her her art like when they when they hold their hands
1: up to each other like this because yes. they're like are you that was oh, iconic it is iconic and i i fully that was the one time where i believed in them yeah not the one
0: time but like one of the few times yeah yeah but then <laughs> he like tricks like, oh, no. her he tricks her into like falling in love with him because in episode three she's like what is love she's learning english I heard it's better than gaining a title, and he says, "Well, you can't do it by yourself. You need someone to do it with." And she's like, "Would you do it? That with That was me? so weird. Would you do it with oh, me?" Gosh. And it's just—it is a really nice moment between them. There's nice electricity between them, but obviously, yes. he is manipulating her into, yeah, because he knows what it means.
1: He knows what sort it of means. Her, I don't know.
0: Yes, so He's I'm here. like torn. He's It's, it, yeah. yeah.
1: I want it. It it wasn't as good as it could have been if it was a little less weird.
0: It was weird. And then you're just like, what? And then he's 10 years older than her in the context of the show. So there's this whole like older man, younger woman, and then he's kind of do they kiss I don't remember no do they actually they kiss? do not okay kiss. and I
1: was that was weirding me out too because I was like you're 100 years older than her and so <laughs> and you know so I'm glad you didn't kind of but like yeah it was strange it was, yeah. it was strange. They had all these private moments together she like kick out her servants and be like leave us alone like we're gonna talk and like talk or look like, what, what I, do do? all I'm saying
0: <laughs> all I'm saying is they spent days writing <laughs> to the beach yes yeah. Yes, presumably fell asleep days with each other. Fell asleep in each other, yes. presumably days writing back, and you're telling me there was no kiss, yeah. no sex? Nothing.
1: Nothing. And I mean, if you think about it, Dong-mei got further than he did by putting his hand under his her skirt like touching <laughs> <singing laughs> the palanquin with her.
0: You're <laughs> right. All they did was hug, and maybe they were it's because of the Koreans that they are, I guess yeah. the 20-year age gap in real life was like Kind of causing them to be a little more prudish. It was weird,
1: though. I feel like by the end, he's about to die for you, girl. Like, do something. Like, something has to that's happen. That's
0: what I'm like, saying. Is I'm like, homeboy <laughs> is literally taking the shot for you, dying for you, this and is your time. you can't this even your time. kiss him on the cheek. Like, there was nothing. I mean, to be
1: fair, at that point, it'd be a lot harder to let him do that. But like, you should. have. No, 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 you but, but you see
0: what I'm thing. saying. Like, there, there was life and yeah. death situations prior to that that they had yeah, a moment to breathe that's and true. afterward. And there was still like nothing. Um, still nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's nothing.
0: But she said. That was the one part where it didn't pay off. It did no payoff there. Absolutely not. But yeah. episode nine, she's talking about she'd rather be a flame than a flower, burn fiercely and then wilt. And he's like, oh, she's so cruel. <laughs> I love this cruel woman. And he's, It's a thing that like keeps popping up is that she just wants to like burn brightly. And then uh, everyone says she's cruel. Yeah, she is. So. She is. She's terrible. <laughs> She started, I don't She's know heartless. if I would like Asian. If I like came across her, I'd be like, I don't know if we're, we'd be friends, bitch. Like you're just <laughs> like too much. She's very out of touch. Mm. And- even
1: when she starts to get a clue, it's like, okay. Yeah, she's now you're always like sort of
0: insulated. It. She's just so insulated yes. the whole time. Because even then, she's protected. Yes, yes. even at even the Even when end? her servants die. Yes, let's talk about that. And they're that. like,
1: shield her, shield Oh, okay. I just hate. So, you know, of course, it's all very touchy because in- in- enslavement is like a whole thing. And like, yes, they are now just her regular servants, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, um, it's still like the amount of loyalty and the amount of like like just doting on her like it made sense because you've known her since she was a literal baby but it was really hard to watch this level of like you know the things they would do for her the lengths they would go for her they could have been they put themselves in danger so many times or at at least of being fired maybe more because at the end of the day there still was a class system she's still a nobility and for her servants to be like you know lying on her behalf and stuff they could have been like who knows what at that point you know like i don't know and then she didn't she did take them i think for granted and then and then she like, loses them in episode
0: 23 real real late in the show right 23 yeah. there's 24 episodes they what is it they like provided a decoy in town and they went along mm-hmm. with a bunch of older people uh, they're so joking they can all die together because they're older they're their older, lives are lived they don't have a lot of stuff to, don- to contribute to the righteous army and so they're just like we'll be a decoy so everyone can make it out And they, along the way, they're, like, joking with each other. They're messing around. They have the palanquin because, of course, she's supposed to be in there. And just as the male and female, um, I think it's Miss Haman is her name. (sighs) Yes. And then the male servant, I forget his name, but they are about to hold hands. She's literally just confessed that she likes him or loves him or whatever. They're about to hold hands, and they all get gunned down. That was brutal and so unnecessary. (laughs) So brutal. The most brutal you could be. Like, this was, t- like, really upsetting. As for me, I was crying. And then she shows up, is shocked to see them there. She had no idea of the plan. So did never, they keep that, like, decoy plan a secret for her? I, they kept, must have kept it a secret from her. And second, she never considered that they would die. Yeah, that, she was so out of she touch. She was out was of touch. so mad sometimes. Going back to our yeah. earlier thing, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And even Eugene's like, You need to shore up, homie. Because (laughs) how do you, how do you think? I mean, even after he called
1: her out and was like, you realize like they can't just eat wherever, sit wherever, do whatever. Yeah, they're beholden to you. She still was like, chop chop, my palanquin. Like chop chop. Like come (laughs) here, I need you, Misamit. Like I was just like, what is going on? And but uh, it was so like it both showed. I don't know. You're. It's like this again romanticization of. Of slavery, where like it reminded me a little bit of them so much.
0: um, This is very American, but oh my God, I will never go hungry again. What is that one? Oh my God. Is it Gone with the Wind? Yes, thank you. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. This show (laughs) reminded me heavily of Gone with the Wind because it is at this juncture in the Korean history, right? Where you have (sighs) East meets West, a lot of flux happening, and you have almost like her era where she grew up and stuff in the Young Ben era where it is like the south like, what is it, antebellum yes. south? Yeah. Feels like mm-hmm. that. And then you have mm-hmm. all this shit happen to her. Her family implodes. It's terrible. Really awful stuff. People getting gunned down. Uh The grandfather's funeral getting upset. Iwanik wreaking havoc and all this. It's like her family just dies out. And it feels mm-hmm. like the family what happens to scarlet's right. family the destruction
1: of atlanta yeah, yeah the
0: destruction of atlanta right. and gone with uh-huh. the wind and it t- like i know a lot of people have mixed feelings about gone with the wind but yeah if you kind of apply the same like epic uh, that yes. gone with the wind is this is like that for korea it's
1: very much like that very yeah. much like that yeah yeah and at least she never slaps her servants which is Not more than we can say for Miss Scarlett O'Hara, so.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. At least she didn't, nobody was called Ashley. That always bugged me the wrong way. (laughs) Ashley. (laughs) Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. I was like, shut up. I hate the name Ashley. Period. And then she was like, he was named Ashley, and the way she said it was just so annoying. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Man, so we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there more that you... Wanna talk? I think oh my god, the grandpa mm-hmm. when I think what I want to touch on with her grandfather is that he has such a gut reaction to <laughs> Eugene saying that he's lowborn. Grandpa right. grandpa starts saying, like, how could you humiliate me like this? And <laughs> well, th- that seemed realistic. I was like, No, kind of. it did seem realistic because he's just Hella old, on his way out, and still has his pride hurt. Vanity and Jeopardy, reputation to uphold, is actually humiliated by his precious granddaughter. The rebellious, headstrong one who is intelligent, a sniper by his own doing. Because he's the one mm-hmm. who initiated her training. That's right. And all of a sudden, she's in love with a lowborn. Oh my god, get the fuck out. Like, it was so... That was, but she's his favorite granddaughter. Excessive, and yes. He's
1: the one he like put all his like you know eggs in that basket. He yeah, her true. cousin was an idiot, you know, or whatever, like not helpful. And his, <laughs> she's the one who was like his hopes and dreams, and he really loved you know the her father who passed away, and like you know never got to meet her mother, and so he had all this like stuff writing on Ishin, and so I think that's what elicited this visceral reaction to eugene's confession which like we were saying was pretty realistic but yeah it was also out of pocket to be like excuse you how dare you he was like (laughs) like, why are you
0: doing this to me and i was like what Mm -hmm. do you have to do with it it was very (sighs) patriarchy so much patriarchy in that moment just coming to a head because you think he's an ally and then all of a sudden he like does this 180 and it's like oh my god he's a classist sexist like all these things like coming into play well, and, and I think
1: how could he not be like that? Still, he's still he he lived however aged he lived. Yes, to, he's with like a hundred
0: years old react. or something. Like he just
1: they just yes, make look so and long. this is all
0: new. Yeah, this
1: this whole revolutionary thing, having to support the righteous cause, which you never wanted to. He thought his kids were like silly for trying to fight. But this he funded fight, and the and righteous army
0: for like years and years yeah. and years. So he was That's in right. on the plot, but he just I guess wasn't in on the social revolution that was happening.
1: Yes he wasn't that was a different story yeah mm-hmm. he was just wanted the japan people to be out of there
0: <laughs> yeah um i like that moment though after he leaves eugene leaves she's like i think you should go and he leaves and she runs after him and jumps the garden wall and she catches up to him yeah and she's like extremely emotional and she's like please try to understand mm-hmm. my grandfather and he plays it off he does her a kindness he says i'm actually grateful i got to see you again because of him He's like, you take after him. I wonder who taught you to be this wonderful. Like he's really taking it well. And he, because she was running, she loses a shoe, very Cinderella-y. He goes and puts it back on her. And her, they cut to her confetti, right? And she's crying, lip quivering, crying like she's like, <laughs> like it's just moving everywhere. And I have in my notes, oh my god, she's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a good moment for her. Obviously, she plays it kind of close to the chest throughout the show, even though she does have emotional yeah. moments. She is very hard-faced. and So stoic. That Yeah, very stoic and has a really good poker face. And in that moment, she just breaks. And I loved it. I love the vulnerability there. Yeah.
1: I mean, also another moment like that is when she pulls the ring out from her – um, you, whatever she's wearing to be like, I'm still married to you. you know? Oh, like, in my God. Fake married marriage. Yeah. You. I thought that was also similarly like, because she did. I, I mean, we saw her little secret moves of like, I'm going to keep this ring and act like I'm not wearing it. And, like, hi, my hand, my back. But then when she like just pulls out, I was like, I love you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. So, I mean, we could talk about that. The rings and stuff. Uh. Well, yeah. So yeah, this is sad. I, want, I just, is I really sad. wanted,
1: to, oh, go on.
0: What do I have here? I have the um in episode twenty-one, he proposes to her. Yeah. And it's not the pr- romantic proposal that everybody wants. It's out of necessity. She needs has manipulated her love. Yeah. I mean she's using his him. love for her to get him to get her to Japan. And he's like, Well, the safest way is if you're my wife. So they kind of forge the marriage. And he hands her he what is it? They're in the bakery, the French bakery. And there's flour on the table. He writes. They're at baguette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he writes love on the table in English. And in place of O, he puts the ring. Oh, I yeah. died. I was like. Oh, I
1: know. I wish I wasn't so susceptible to that dumb moment, but I loved it. It
0: was <laughs> horrific and wonderful at the same time because you know that it's corny. Not, it's corny, corny <laughs> but it's not really sincere because she's like effective. Yeah. Yes, that too she's lying in a sense and manipulating him and when he he takes the ring off the table and hands it to her puts it on her ri- on her finger tells her the meaning behind it the western of uh, uh story of the naming conventions ring, the ma- naming conventions cuz she's got to take his last name and all that shit and they pan back to the table and it says live now instead of love <laughs> And I was like, if that's not a clear sign of how this thing is going to end, they are not going to end up in love, loving each other. Like the love is not going to win out. She's going to live because of what he's doing for her. And yeah, it's just he's just very forlorn in that moment. It's not a triumphant moment, not happy. He has to fake the marriage to help her accomplish the mission. And yeah, it's just. Versus a sincere manifestation of their the love. Wedding portrait they take yeah. the wedding. Port- <laughs> that wedding. I lost. That. Um, you're you're hitting Killer. nerves here because some of these things are just manufactured to make it's so you, effective. And why why do we show? all watch
1: K dramas? It's <laughs> this stuff.
0: <laughs> this is like K drama. Why crack. are we watching this show? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Oh man, but they leave the day they leave on the train too for the mission she's dressed yes. in western ladies clothes not the suit like the looking so the su- tuxedo mask suit <laughs> yeah, She, that's the tuxedo mask suit she's not in that she's got a dress I love on I that yeah she, when when he
1: song puts it on oh my god
0: just stop love it, these people stop all it. these people but, are so great you know she look she oh, looks stunning yeah. in this anyway. moment and uh yeah. he he acts so well here ibyongun you can see yeah. that she takes his breath away like, he's literally like, like, he kind of catches his breath and he says, if my last memory of Jocelyn is this beautiful, I'll never forget it. And I was like, oh, Ooh. God. Oh Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, she, um, yeah. I was, yeah. Oh, God.
1: But no, that, I was just going to say, like, it, all this wedding talk was reminding me of how sad I was about the fact that the loneliest and most hurt people um, ended up dying alone yes (laughs) you know like he sung too. like who knows i know he lived or no he died he died everybody died
0: oh he died died. so everybody dies alone
1: nobody got anything hold
0: on hold on so So to finish up that thought of the rings and stuff (laughs) yes i'll finish it up so she figures out that he should be wearing a ring too, a matching ring and she puts the ring on him because he had it on him and she finally says i love you she says i love you i've always been in love with you Tears streaming. That was. He lets out a breath that he'd been holding evidently. And it's just a really sad, sad moment. But one that you. you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. You're just like, oh my God. So uh, two more deaths. And then I think we, we should start wrapping it up. We've gone really long on this episode. But. <laughs> okay. So Lee Sung dies. He uh, ends up hiding. I love him. He, he was great. Like underrated character I would say.
1: Super underrated. Underrated. Watch him sing and tell me if you think the same about that. But anyway go on.
0: I will. I will watch him sing eventually. <laughs> okay. I promise. Okay. So he ends up hiding like a time capsule of photos and evidence of the righteous army and all of the like human rights violations and shit that Japan has been doing and he hides it and then he gets caught for his pro-Korea newspaper they want intel. Who's the righteous army? Where's Ish all this stuff? And he just gives his previous line I like beautiful but useless things. And in the end, mm-hmm. he was a patriot and a journalist as well. V- died a romantic. His whole
1: deal of like you can fight with guns and I'll fight with words. I mean, it was really, yeah, it's very true, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there that's documentation of witness being a witness, yeah, to all witness this to history is also important, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. And yeah, one last hit to the head sends him to the ground and the ticking of his grandfather's pocket watch, which mm-hmm. was an omen throughout the show.
1: Definitely. It slows- let a couple deaths yeah. in a way. Let's a couple finally, demises also.
0: I know. It was brutal. And now finally it's ticking its last time for him. It slows down to nothing and he's out of time. It's done. It's very almost anticlimactic, almost too banal of an ending for mm-hmm. such a character. That's like
1: fast, facile, mm. facile mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah. But not really. But it, it made sense for him.
0: It, it made sense it for did. him. It did, yeah. What about the last stand yeah. in the woods for the rest of the Righteous Army that didn't make it out? They're like four, pl- they split up into like four platoons trying to make it to Manchuria. A couple of platoons don't get guy. out, they're completely surrounded in the woods. Uh, but they, you know, valiantly raise the flag to fight until the bitter end. And the potter... Oh, the Manchurian. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The potter, yeah. The yeah. potter gives, like, a great rallying speech to... And that's it. Like, they all die.
1: I mean, again, when you start the show and you know the history of Korea, it's like there's no way mm-hmm. the Righteous Army's gonna, like, mm-hmm. win somehow. <laughs> like, otherwise we're... This is not happening. Right. So it was just sad the whole time. And... Yeah, the potter out here making hard decisions, like, you yeah. know, I, I don't know, like, I loved his character in terms of, like, they showed the conflicting way to, to lead something like the Righteous Army or his faction of it, and the decisions you have to make, and in in the stuff, the sacrifices you have to make. Like, he was the one who's explaining to everyone, like, you know, mm-hmm. this is
0: how it's going down, mm-hmm. and
1: yeah, I don't know. It's just sad. The end, I think the ending was so sad.
0: It was the worst. Because then
1: you know Japan's going to win.
0: You know Japan, you know Japan wins. <laughs> Look, yeah. Yeah, and is in power alert. <laughs> for decades. It's crazy. Um, right. Yo, know, the death of Iwanique, I kind of wished that Gunner Jang was in on it or that Wanique knew that she was trained by the Gunner because there was like yeah. this whole running theme of like, I'm going to get the guy who did this to me and Wanique and J- Gunner Jang had, all- Jang had all of his bad blood because he killed his dad, he shot his leg, made him a cripple and all this stuff and it mm-hmm. never kind of manifested, um, but I guess they just sort of included Gunner Jang when she shoots his shoulder. She shoots one his shoulder, and then they f- like flash yeah. quickly back to the Gunner as a teenager. And so he was kind of there in spirit, I guess. Again, just He's, props to
1: the child actor. Props to the child actor. Yes,
0: he was great. <laughs> his training, I guess, allowed her to take the three shots, and his daughter, he picked up the mess. Did not shed a single tear. She was already feeling super guilty and torn about everything her dad did, all the sins of him. And what's cool is that um, Ishin killed Wanik without ever knowing that he killed her parents. That's
1: right. Well, that was an interesting thing to me because when it it was not Gunnar Zhang who got to get Wanik, it was like – You know, in real life you don't get to kill all your enemies or do or get you know, you don't get the revenge that you deserve and want. And so I was like, maybe they're trying to like say something about that where it's like, Well, maybe he lives or something. Like I wasn't sure where it was gonna happen necessarily with him, but everybody who needed to die does end up dying. (laughs) Which is again that payoff that comes that you kinda want. But but also like, yeah, it's 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 interesting that she that they made it like she didn't even know she's getting revenge, that she was due, and the fact that he wasn't involved really. So that was just an interesting little, the details in the show of the how they wrote it and what they included and how they portrayed yeah. things I thought was so good. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh Gunner Jang's death, awful, no good, <laughs> terrible. He went out
1: in literal flames of glory though. Literal so. <laughs>
0: flames of glory. He resolves his issues with the king because obviously Juan spun, sto- spun the story that the king abandons the people who were defending yeah. the fort during that incursion from the right. US and then he had a, a bad blood uh, with him and the king, and the king was like, "I'm." So, he didn't say he was sorry. But it was basically said, "No." I'm, he literally says, "I cannot, I cannot say I'm you, sorry, but I, but- I feel bad and whatever." And you know, he they did kind of hash it out, and in the end, he does die like defending the. The, the keep, king, the king, and all this, all yes. these people, and yes. he gets the the younguns out of the military academy after they what, what disband. What did you think about his
1: marriage to the archer lady? What
0: the hell was that about? Were they actually married? That was married? just to
1: mess with us. Were they actually I mean, married? Yeah, I think, or like, I think they were like common law married. I guess I don't know. I have no idea. How this I works. thought that they, it they didn't were not married. Did not seem like they followed married. a religion or like? Could they be married? Oh like, but they're, so, or I mean, I think they could, but like...
0: I understood that they were not married. They just had a longstanding flirtation. They had unspoken feelings for each other and they were looking out for oh, so each other. You think they weren't
1: even in a relationship? No.
0: And then when he... He kind of said towards the end of like when they were separated that we're going to leave together and we'll forge a life together. He They kind of like halfway said that they loved each other.
1: She said he was. She was waiting for handsome man to come back.
0: That's what. That's what that conversation ended up being. Like I'm basically going to wait for him here. Whenever he's done, we're going to pick up and like move (laughs) together. We're going to continue this together. And then she ends up hanging. She's that was horrible. She's the first death of the that was horrible, horrendous. Yes, like so brutal, brutal. And they have her hanging. And he shows up. And he can't even look at her. He's just like brimmed down on his hat, like cannot look at her. But he screams to cut her down because this is his wife. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. Did he just claim her as his wife all of a sudden or what a day? Maybe it's like my intended.
1: This is my intended. Mm. Maybe it's like that. I I don't know either. Mm. It was a little confusing, but so brutal nonetheless. Yeah. (laughs) So brutal.
0: (laughs) The love stories did not catch a break new no. <laughs> oh my god! Did you understand anything about the Seven Traders of 1905, the Five Traders of 1905, the Seven Traders um, of 1905? Not really,
1: but I will say in my research, there's all these little skirmishes and things, and like there was like people who were kind of like. Infiltrated the the king's side of things and were really like kind of like Japanese spies and like were doing kind of these underhanded things and that's what led to some of the like earlier skirmishes and different things like that. Right. And um and that's when things like Japan just like Japan was just like squatting essentially in a way. Mm. And it seems like from what I read at least. And in the beginning and then uh, King Kojong was like, let me just like get some formal formal treaties and stuff. Get other people involved so that we can. He was trying, had good intentions to get Korea to place a power. But yeah, there was all these other little things that happened. There's a lot of like farmers against the king Mm. revolting and this and that because for various reasons before that, even before he was king. So I'm assuming it's, I don't know, it's stuff like beyond me and
0: because they made a point of having Lee Sung come and take their photograph.
1: Okay, so I wanted to talk a little about this. The, the righteous army, we bong, as we byong I might be translating this wrong in <laughs> Korean. Okay, so the thing about them was they were made. They were made up of like the tenement farmers and then like um, the army, the military people who got kind of like kicked out after Japan. Like Japan invaded the king's palace, like dethroned the king. Yeah. The king was like still signing stuff, sort of. I think on behalf it's of just Korea, like no a puppet I king. I guess it was just like Japan. Yeah, yeah. Japan was like, pulling the strings, and so. um, so, yeah, that is what, who the Righteous Army was, like those types, the same people we saw. Um, And I wanted to mention, to speak on journalism a little bit, there was Frederick McKenzie shows up at the end of the show and mm. um takes the photos of the Righteous Army. So one thing that I found out that I didn't quite realize at the time, first of all, that is based off a real photo, <gasps> oh. which you can look up when you look up Righteous Army. It is the only known photo of anyone who is in the Righteous Army that exists, <sighs> according to what I have read. I don't quote me on that, but that oh, is what I read. Oh, they say that and- in the show. They say that. Do they say that on the show? Yeah. I Well, I also read it elsewhere. Because I was I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but they <laughs> do they say that's the only photo in the show? Well it they say the I think
0: the journalist said or whatever that this is probably the only photo that will exist of you guys.
1: Yes. Okay, so for I for shout, I guess, because that does end up being the only um photo that exists of the righteous army. I don't know if they have the names, you know, the list of names. I was like, gonna try and like Google it, but like those Korean names are hard to Google because everyone has like the same names, you know, like a lot. So yeah. yeah, I didn't really go there, but, um, but then I also wanted to kind of mention. Um, another journalist, so Philip J. Son was actually. So I was trying to find out, like, was Eugene Choi? So the thing that is good about historical fiction is it kind of brings people to try to pay attention to history or like find out about history yes. that they didn't know before. Yeah. So that's a good thing. So I was like, is Eugene Choi? And that's like a common question. If you look at Mister Sunshine, it's like, was Eugene Choi a real person? Was this yourself a true story? <laughs> right. So there was a man named Philip Chase Son and Jason or Jason, maybe, but it's spelled J A I S O H N. Oh, it's so sort of spelled like almost like Korean spelling in a way, right? Uh, or something. But Philip Jason, he was a Korean-born naturalized. U.S. citizen and a former member of the Enlightenment Party. He published this like bilingual English Korean newspaper called The Independence to educate Korea. However, what it was for <laughs> it was actually like American propaganda or something. Oh. It was to educate Koreans on like democracy oh. and like, you know, modernizations <laughs> that these are good things. Like you want this trolley here or like this electric, whatever. Or, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's no specific things, but he was trying to promote that stuff. And so there was sort of like this Eugene-esque person who existed. Um, these journalists though, like, you know, Kind of a mix of like what Frederick McKenzie did and He Song of like independent journalism, right? And, you know, Koreans, I don't know, it, it, it all kind of like somehow makes a full circle. <laughs> but,
0: um, no, that's interesting. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I, I can see, you know, I can see them looking it up and be like, well, we could just make it two characters,
1: <laughs> but that's if anyone does. And I think so to again, just to go back briefly to Snowdrop, or if you are to take some of this stuff. To heart, it's like if you don't know it, and even if you know it, but you didn't live through it, it's like mm-hmm. different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's different to have actually gone through. I think in America, because we haven't, ha- like, thankfully, had any much happen on our soils in like you know generations. But nine eleven is, I think, something that people who lived through mm-hmm. have like a certain concept of. Absolutely, born after or when Kennedy died. So, for the previous
0: generation, like,
1: right? Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. So who, if you, who where were you when Kennedy died? Where were you on nine eleven? Those things, th- those are kind of the closest. Maybe we as like very privileged Americans. <laughs> (laughs) can can, um, relate to when you think of like people who are Korean or have Korean national pride and think of these events versus us just consuming as like media and entertainment. Right.
0: So interesting. I love your points. Okay. I'm coming up to the end of my notes, to be honest. And I, I don't know if I have the energy to like continue talking about Mr. Sunshine. It's just so overwhelming, but I think Eugene dying is the, I guess, icing on the cake, the cherry on top of this awful Like really emotional. (laughs) Like a few episodes, the last six episodes are just bloodshed, hit after hit after hit, betrayal after betrayal. And you know he dies. He sacrifices himself to save the what little was left of the righteous army, including his girl. And he uncouples the train, and you know he dies just shy of the sunlight because it's at the very end of this tunnel. It's very symbolic and. You know, this is my history. This is my love story. This is why I just, I have to go. I wish you victory. All of these things that he says, like, in voiceover are just crazy. I mean,
1: awful. Where else could he go? You know, like, that's what I just kept thinking at his death. I was like, this death is like, seems like it's in vain because it's, yeah, it's for her, there, but like, she probably would have lived somehow. You know,
0: there is an argument or a, a point to be made, I think, that Eugene Choi's role in this show is greatly diminished After he goes to prison for three years and they have the time jump to 1907, when they come back from 1907, like, it is almost a completely different show. It is like... It's a different country. Yeah, different country and different, but very high stakes. And you get the endgame episodes and you're just kind of, like, wondering where Eugene's character is going to land here. Obviously, everyone is doomed to die. But, you know, this... Character motivations, we touched on that earlier. Like, what is his deal? He's so wishy-washy, but at the same time, very resolute, staunchly American. And honestly, I think that they didn't know what to do with him. Like, they knew what to do with yeah. Uh, Gudame. Yeah. I feel like they knew what to do with yeah. him way more than they knew yeah. what to do with Eugene. They definitely
1: clapped when he wrapped his scenes. Like, <laughs> they knew like, so- <laughs> they just were like you're finished you're done and we wrapped this nicely yeah. in, in a tiny
0: manner yeah
1: it's but then like i thought when a was hurt and she was kind of away for a few episodes because she was hurt which was random yeah and you didn't have her around and people were just doing i first of all i would love a spin-off of so many of these characters to exist again in my fanfic of my mind that well i'll never i will never write but um <laughs> i would like to know what they do but when she was gone i was kind of like oh okay bye and then <laughs> But then it's, like, yeah, like, how would they have ended, quote, unquote, her story, too? Like, if we kept following her through until she probably eventually dies, I don't know what else. Or, like, it's imprisoned or something. I don't know what else would happen to her. Um, yeah. I kind of thought the same thing of, like, there's nowhere else for her to go, almost. Yeah. And even, like, keeping Eugene around or not, yeah, after those three years when he's in prison, there's, like, nothing else left for him to do. Yeah. Like, like, he's no lost some edge and
0: around. I don't know. What it was. Maybe the show should have just ended – around then you know yeah and had a weird Lee sort of prison. stinger with like and japan and the japanese forces took over and dethroned the king in whatever year and like the trial kind of, was weird too his trial yeah the trial was oh god no one can do a good <laughs> the American. Judge was look so i'm ridiculous. telling i'm telling tell you this right now the american like <laughs> americans are the only ones who can do an american trial in okay oh a trial like, no i was gonna say the accent Oh, I'm telling you, you like them. the portrayal of this trial was like bonkers. I was like, was okay, ridiculous. so there's four people there in this like jury, nobody else in here. And I, I just seen like, <laughs> like I have so many issues, really. Um, That's what I'm
1: saying. Like this whole show was great, but then had like so many issues. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Take away some soju oh, bottles God. from you. <laughs>
0: what you did all right mina Mina, yeah. we've been here like for over two yeah. hours i think we're done i i think we've talked okay. about so many things uh we chewed on the fat uh a lot for this show and i think that if you are listening and you've listened this far please like let us know what, what the hell you thought about mr <laughs> sunshine like reach out to us and let us know what you thought of the episode, yeah. if we made some points that you hadn't thought of, if you want to contribute to the conversation, you felt like you needed to jump in at some point, like, let us know. <laughs> Tell us.
1: And apologies if any of the h- history I gave was a little inaccurate or off the mark or something, because I was trying to read and interpret it all for this recording. So, you know, obviously I don't have the full knowledge and background.
0: Yeah. Of everything. I think in their next lives, they're all going to be okay, though. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> they're all meeting in heaven. They're all meeting just in, heaven. Party in heaven. A had this whole thing where he was like walking off. His spirit was literally walking away. Oh yeah, as he saw yeah. his body that was being dressed. Very surreal. I was like, he's yes. the only one that got oh. that send off. Like everybody else just died, and like yeah. that was it. Yeah, he got like a corporal <laughs> spirit, like just walking. He got like he got <laughs> they raised, loved it. You could tell the writer, the re- they really loved Goodom May's character.
1: And, you know, again, the the acting in this was so – to me, I I don't watch as many dramas as you do because I don't have the time for that, but I would love to. And also, I kind of am curious if you thought their acting was as good as I thought it was. Maybe No, yeah, it was good.
0: Really good. Amazing.
1: It was great. Yeah. yeah,
0: 10 out of 10 for the acting, for the acting. Okay, <laughs> I think we're going to, Mina, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on this thank show, you. for being so gracious about the hurricane and for being very flexible. Um, where can people find you online if they haven't listened to the Navulera episode and already looked you up?
1: Yes, please find me on K-pop Bookshelf on Instagram. That's mainly where I am. I'm really bad at tweeting, but I am K-pop Bookshelf pod at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email, K-pop Bookshelf pod, I think that's my Twitter handle. I don't even know, <laughs> but um, yeah, check it out. I cover a lot of um, not just K-pop stuff, but other stuff to try and understand things like K-dramas and Korea and Korean culture, society, um, all that stuff. So check it out.
0: Uh, thank you. And I think that's it. That's our show. I'm Jessica, and this has been ATC Presents Deva K. Ramos Podcast. See your eyes
2: See your face Taku kasumi See your face. See your face See your eyes My name 꿈은 걸 알았죠 내가 살아온 세상 어느 순간보다 더 소중해서 그댈 둘러싼 시간뿐 모두 다한 조각 저런 <목소리> 간지 <목소리>